Coming up, a free agency primer, some fake trades. Dame? Clay Thompson? It's all next. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you've ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. I made it happen. But really, the only words you need to remember are, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to help choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is stressful enough just with the airport situation. No matter where you're going, it's always packed. You're always worried the weather might be bad. Is my plane going to get delayed? You just want the actual place you're staying at to be a lights out experience. So if you've booked a vacation rental and you found yourself stuck making small talk with the host or you've arrived to find out it doesn't look anything like the pictures, you know, that's that's the worst. You could avoid the awkwardness with Verbo. Verbo has helped travelers find great private vacation rentals for nearly 30 years. You heard me correctly. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your private vacation rental in the Verbo app. We're also brought to you by the Ringer Podcast Network, where I have a new rewatchables coming on Monday. We are doing a comedy from the last... 20 years, one of my favorites. So you'll have to guess. Um, but that's coming on Monday night. If you missed the Prestige TV podcast, we have been doing The Bear and Black Mirror. I'm not on those podcasts, but uh, two shows that people have really liked this month. So you can check out all the episodes on there. We've also been experimenting with the Ringerverse feed as well. So check that feed out if you have some time. Coming up on this podcast, Priscilla and I are going to do an entire free agency primer we're going to talk uh, any big trades that could possibly happen over the next week or so. And then some of the stuff we're still a little confused about from Thursday's draft. And we're going to play a gimmick called One More Time. And we're going to try to guess all of the free agent deals that are coming next weekend. So this is action-packed. Let's bring in our friends from Pearl Jam. <laughs> All right, we're taping this mid-afternoon Sunday to calm before the storm in the NBA. Ryan Rosillo is here. We're trying to figure out a whole bunch of things that might happen basically a week from now. Although this stuff, the way it goes with the NBA now, it's usually like the 28th, 29th, 30th. You start getting some ideas. We know who has the cap space, which was very hard to figure out, Rosillo, because the cap hold, I mean, there's people on cap holds where it's like, Miritich, why is he on a cap? It's just, I don't know. I don't understand the cap hold thing, but we think we have everybody who might have cap space. We have a list of all the guys who might switch teams and we're going to get into that in a second. Can we do some three-day-old draft thoughts first, though? Yeah, um, I'd love to. Because, I mean, even after I taped on Friday, there was stuff where I was like, oh, I wonder you know, if this is a good topic, so go for it. Yeah, I listened to you and Sam 
And you were talking about how Whitmore dropped to 20 and the similarities and differences with that and Michael Porter when he dropped to 14 in that draft where the Clippers had two firsts and didn't take them two in a row. And uh, I I felt this way during the draft and I feel even more strongly now with these, I don't know what the medical issue was. Maybe we'll never find out. Maybe it'll come out over the next few weeks. But once you get past the lottery and you have a guy who is a top 10 talent it's almost irresponsible to take not take them when it gets to like the 15, 16, 17 range. And I just feel like we're going to be looking back at him falling to 20. That it was just ridiculous. And I felt that way Thursday night. And then on Sunday, I feel even more strongly. How are you feel? How has that settled in for you? I got a little more info kind of asking around. I think teams are more forthcoming. Uh, to at least to tell the truth on some of the medical stuff of like concerns. And there was a knee thing with him that was fairly significant with some teams to the point of almost failing them or just, you know, look, if it's a tie with Cam Whitmore and the next guy up and you have the pick, that's a pretty good tiebreaker. Um, there may be another lingering injury from this year. There was also the story going around, which I'd heard during the process, that the Villanova coach wasn't exactly talking him up, which is kind yeah. of a no-no, especially if you're a first-year coach. And I think the Nova family was more pissed about that. And it's not great for recruiting because then people use it against you Later on, you know, that's why teams are re- kind of reluctant in bigger programs to tell the truth about a prospect because it's like if he gets out to your dog and your guy. Right. So and then the interviews are pretty bad. But look, I mean, other than him saying, like. I actually designed the sub, I, I just don't understand what you could say <laughs> in an interview where you'd be as talented <laughs> as him and you're still not taking him in the mid teens. And I, I think to add to your point, like if you're Orlando and it's somebody other than Jet Howard, okay. But why not? If you're Oklahoma City and you have 15 first-rounders in the next seven years, maybe get back up? in there. So, yeah. you know, to be fair to the teams, they're the ones actually doing the medicals. They're the ones sitting down with the guy. But I completely agree that, you know, when you do it right, you still screw it up half the time. So why not take somebody that was thought to be a top-five talent even with the medical flags, uh, you know, the medical. Like, what do you think the ratio is? Once we get past 15, what do you think? It's like a one in six chance. I'm getting a top eight rotation guy. 20%. It, it was really lean for a long time, like way worse than I think any of us realized. And I was going through it the last five years and there's actually more rotation guys the last five drafts in the 20s than I yeah. think history had told you. But yeah, maybe one in five. Like a real rotation guy. Like, hey, he's going to get a second contract. He's going to get this, maybe even Like a Grant a Williams. Like, I, like he was like the 22nd pick, and he became a rotation guy. That's Perfect a good example. example of how this goes. Right. And considering what these teams do, usually, like a lot of times with picks, the reason guys like Th- the Thompsons go so high or, you know, even going back to like, you know, Neil Aquina or Koulibaly this year. It's like, man, if this guy has something special physically, like we might go this way. and. Yeah, as I was watching it that night, I'm started going like, I think people are making a mistake, but who knows? You know, he hurts his knee, then every team that passed on him is going to feel like they were right for doing so. Like, what do you like? What do you think? Do you think Utah should have taken him? Do you think Orlando should have taken him 11th? No, I I can see, I can understand why he fell out of the lottery. I'm kind of shocked that Miami didn't take him. Which, and we also don't know the thing. And we said this Thursday night that you don't know if teams make promises to guys, right? If you're there at 18, like, we'll take you. Or, you know, Golden State's guy at 19. But um, I just thought once it got into that, uh, what was it, the OKC Miami 
Golden State, like that threesome, all the smart teams. I was like, oh, one of these guys is going to take him. And then none of them did. Houston ends up getting him at 20. And, you know, it's not out of the realm that he ends up being better than the Thompson twin. I mean, it would be surprising, but it's not like impossible, you know? So if you're Houston, you feel great about it because that's probably, they probably looked at Whitmore pretty seriously. So that was one of, that was one of my things was just like, man, I just find that hard to believe all these teams that have a million picks. Nobody tried to move back into the, you know, the 16 range to try to grab them. Um, the second one was that Porzingis trade falling apart and then it turning into the smart trade. And everybody talked about the smart stuff for two days. I want to know why the Clippers didn't make that trade anyway. Just going in blind on getting rid of Marcus Morris and, you know, some pick, whatever. And you get Brogdon for $22 million And, oh, I didn't get to, you know, get to run a physical on him. But the guy was the sixth man of the year last year. And he was just an excellent, you know, rotation guard. And he's making $22 million a year. He's on a good contract. And unless he's getting Tommy John surgery... If I could turn Marcus Morris, Marcus Morris has no trade value. Like he's in that Dava, Davis Bertans kind of, you know, you trade him and you give up an asset to get rid of the contract kind of guy. And I wonder if the Clippers looking on Sunday are like, shit, maybe we should have done that. We're kind of stuck with Morris now. Morris was unplayable last year. Like I, I feel like he's washed. Well, I would agree with you on Morris. I thought it was kind of interesting. He's like, I don't really like my role anymore. It's like, well, if you, you were better, you would have a better role. Uh, I'll tell you what I think went on there is that if you're if you're looking at the Clippers saying, okay, they've got Kawhi and Paul George for this next stretch, I don't think they can add another piece that's ex- <laughs> as expensive as Brogdon where they're right. like, or if he plays. I mean, think back to a year ago when the Celtics made the Brogdon deal. People thought that price was insane. And I still was a little hesitant going like, I get what he can be, but this guy's hurt a lot. And when he plays, he's terrific. He was terrific this year for Boston. But if I'm the Clippers, I I think I have to know for sure that, I mean, there's no guarantees that I'm not adding another piece that's not going to play. The fact that he lasted as long as he did and then got hurt in the playoffs, I still think it was a win for Boston. You get the sixth man of the year yeah. for that kind of price. But that price existed because of the concerns. And now he's hurt again. I just don't think the Clippers, especially when you go through their books and all the decisions that they have to figure out. I mean, they can barely offer Westbrook anything. I think it's only $3.8 because they don't even have early bird rights for him. They do want to bring back Plumlee. They've got to make an Eric Gordon decision, which feels like a massive luxury as far as the tax is concerned. So if they were going to do anything... I'd agree with you on the talent part of Brogdon, but if they were going to do anything, I think they had to be certain about a health risk, and he's not that. I just don't know how they're getting rid of Morris otherwise. And maybe I just would have looked at it like that. It might actually be easier to move off Brogdon's contract if he can show that he's healthy down the road. That was my second one. The third one was the the stuff Dallas did, which I think pretty much everybody liked except me. And I actually didn't mind the first part of it where they moved back two spots and dumped Bertans, right? Um, who's making 17 million this year and then you can buy him out for five. And they moved back two spots and they got Lively, who they probably wanted anyway and were probably seriously taking a 10. I would have taken um, Kaysan personally, but whatever. Um, my question is, once they ended up with the 12th pick and they had the trade exception, which then allowed that, then gave them the full mid-level, which was one of the reasons they had to get rid of that contract. But then they went back in and they traded for Rashawn Holmes and the 24th pick so they could get Omax, who I really liked. But now you got Holmes at 12 million, then he's a 12.8 million player option the year after. You want to make the joke? 
probably pick that one up. Yeah. Um, so you're paying, you're basically carrying 12 and 13 for homes so you could take Omax. I, I might have just rather have had the trade exception and tried to figure it out later. Like you really have to let Omax at that point. So but I guess my question is, the more I look at it, were they just better off trading the two spots back, having the flexibility and figuring out over this next week what they wanted to do? Because now they're basically done except for the bringing back Kyrie in the mid-level. So you're talking about the traded player exception and the value of that or just the value of getting off of the money? Like, it, would you want Rashawn Holmes for 25 million bucks so you could get the 24th pick in the draft? And now they're, it's basically four, five million less than Bertans this year, but he's got the 12.8 player option the year after. You could have gotten out of the Bertans, right? I think, it's, I think it's crazy that like the pricing to move back to where you probably still felt like you were going to get your guy was that to get off of Bertans, but then to get off of Holmes, which is less money per year, um, but guaranteed in the second, right? Yeah. That, that was just the 25th pick. Like, you know, so, you know, the one was just moving down to, and then the other one was just straight up, like, here's the first. Uh, and they get a mid-level out of it, which was part of the key of getting rid of Bertans. Now that's an extra player that they wouldn't have had otherwise unless they shed that salary. So I get that part. I just don't get the second trade as much. Not sure I would have done it. Because Holmes becomes the tax for picking Omax. So now Omax has to be good. That's got to be somebody who comes in next year and actually plays and helps them out. Because I feel like they're on a little bit of a clock with Luca. It also seems like everything they're, they're doing is contingent on Kyrie's going to come back. They're the only ones that can offer them the most money. If you look at the teams that have cap space, there's really nowhere else for them to go that makes sense. So now this is ba you're basically going in with this team. Your centers are lively in homes. Omax is one of your swingman dudes. Your scores are Luca and Kyrie. And I just, I don't know where you're going, ultimately. No, and these are some pretty big assumptions, too, to be like, okay, Omax will help and Lively would be a rotational big, like a year out of high school. And, right, he's 19. Know, right, I really like Josh Green. I like Hardy when no one else is playing. You know, he's got some real Cam Thomas to him where you're like, look yeah. at this guy. And you're like, yeah, but what happens when like the rest of the guys show up? Both coaches don't want to play him. Um, but another year for Hardy, you figured, you know, the biggest thing with Hardy is just kind of like good shot, bad shot, because the athleticism and some of the stuff that he can do is pretty special. Uh, yeah, look, I, I'm not I'm not like disagreeing with you here. I even like Rashawn Holmes a little bit. I think it gives you a completely different look. I thought Sacramento was so motivated to get to a number cap wise where maybe they can scare the shit out of Golden State with a Draymond Green offer where that momentum is at least picking up just on reports. I, you know, I don't know if that's inside intel or just theorizing on that. But you know what? No, it's, if, there's if, some momentum now. I think the pool trade probably helped with that too. Yeah, because like it's almost, it's always like the, the thing I think about with Paul George and Kawhi. You're like, why would you have done that for Paul George? You know, why would you have done that and given Oklahoma City all those things? It's like, well, actually, it's because it guaranteed you Kawhi. So you have to look at the price of that differently. So for Sacramento to do that, and I know you're talking more about the Dallas side. Like, I totally get it because it feels like they can take a much bigger swing. Like, hey, if we sign off on this and, you know, we don't really need to add another young guy to this whole thing, we can be real players here. And maybe it's for Draymond. On the Dallas side, I just think there's so many question marks around the two guys, even when they bring back Kyrie, because I agree with you going through it and trying to figure out who would actually pay him the kind of money to entice him to leave Dallas. 
Like, is there a number? There's certainly a number for what he's eligible for is an absurd, absurd number. Like, I don't think he's going to get that from Dallas, the five-year full thing. I mean, that would be crazy because you got to ask, like, who are we competing with? And I just don't know that the market yeah, is you're looking at Kyrie. Rockets, Jazz, Spurs, Kings, Pacers, Pistons, Magic. I just don't think those are Ky- Kyrie Holmes. I don't see it. So, so basically, the thing you're worried about is, would he actually take the Lakers mid-level and have some sort of wink-wink thing with them for a couple of years would be the fear. I don't think any of the cap space teams would be a fear. But um, it's interesting you said that about Holmes because he is somebody I liked, but I've also never seen him really succeed on a good team, right? There's these certain big guys who get their stats and are like, ah, oh, I like this guy. But I thought it was interesting that they he just couldn't play for a really good team last year. They Mike Brown wrote him off pretty much immediately. So why? That would make me nervous if I'm Dallas. Why did, why did Sacramento just say, yeah, we don't need this guy? Well, he's rebounds and he's good around the rim. You don't need yeah, him Yeah, I at think all. his defense, I think his defense and he's still too small. You know, he's right. not His defense is force. not good, right? So right. how's he going to help Dallas? They have Kyrie and Luka. I thought they wanted to improve their defense. That's why I was just confused by that part of the trade. Yeah, you would have thought, you know, I kind of like, I've understood your point the whole time, but it was kind of like, hey, you got off of the Bertons money to only move Great. back that much. It was a really nice deal for them. Um, unless you actually still kind of sneaky like Bertons, you know, you're like, well, you that, know, I you, think that's the OKC yeah, piece of I that, so right? Too. Right. I think it's like you people may look at this as a salary dump, but when he was pretty good, this guy's like a real shot maker. Now, granted, he's got the shoulder width of a newborn and he also has like the immediate scar on the neck game. Where like he's yeah. immediately somebody cuts his neck and there's like a gash. Like nobody has gash arms better than Jokic, but yeah. like Bertans, I always used to love when Bertans would get spicy out there, you know, especially with Washington. He'd get like really pissed off. But yeah. there's a reason why he ended up getting that huge deal. I mean, it wasn't just like the team was like, hey, we're stupid. Let's give Bertans all this money. I'm with you. I think Oklahoma City may look at him and be like, we actually think we have like a real shooting, like a guy you have to worry about. Yeah, and they obviously put a big premium on Wallace, too. I think Presti's at the point where on draft night, if he's calling me with an offer, I'm probably just <laughs> turning it down. <laughs> he's like, there's a guy in my AL Keeper League who's won for three straight years. I just, we would never trade with him anymore. Like, what's the point? He's, he knows more about fantasy baseball in the American League than we do. So if he's like, hey, I have this idea. What if, uh, you know that pitcher you have that's not doing well? What if you gave me him? I'm just like, I don't trust you. No, I'm not doing it. Um, and then OKC moves up. That would be the other thing that I would make me nervous. Like OKC has been basically batting 900 in the draft, right? And they're I like, know, we right. want to trade up. And it's like, clearly they want to trade up to get Wallace. It make me reevaluate the Wallace thing. Uh, here's my fourth one. I probably should have led with this. So the Kings get that cap space. So why? This would have been a better lead. I'm still getting, you know, I'm still, I'm still learning on the job here in my, in my early fifties. Why? Why did they clear this much cap space? Why was this important to them? Right now, the Kings you could basically get to about thirty-six million. So, who's that for? Is it is it a Draymond offer? Because you and I are both hearing the same thing now. Now it seems like Draymond's going to go back. Is it like Kyle Kuzma? Is it? I don't know, Brooke Lopez. Like, who's the guy? Why are they clearing this cap space? What are they up to, Rosillo? Yeah, because I'm always, whenever I look at a deal, like Middleton opting out, that oh. tells me, well, I don't I don't know oh. if it's Middleton, right? But Middleton no, that's, opting out. I didn't out, mention him. I should have. 
when he opts out when he has 40, especially when you look at the guys with like real seasoned agents, you'll go, okay, well, they already know. They, they already know mildly. Like Nas Reed has, I think, Excel, which is, you know, really well established. I think him re-signing before he even tests it, those guys have already made all the calls. They already know the temperature, right? And if they're going, okay, hey, you're going to play it. is another one. Right. So why does he opt into Boston that night? It's because Boston clearly said to him, two for 77 after this. Like, we'll lock that down as soon as we can. Or, or his agents were like, there's not, that number's not out there for you. So take right. this 30 plus million now and hopefully you're, you know, the numbers are not going to be the same with Boston that he had in Washington. They're just not. Um, but stay well, like healthy. Utah, Utah could have gotten to some, like they could have renounced Olenek and maybe done like a third, a three for 90, something like that. He's going to make more with Boston. Right. So like the back to the Middleton point and, you know, I don't know if Sacramento would go there. I still feel like Milwaukee would have a really hard time just losing him for nothing. You'd have to feel good about the personality with them. You know, I don't think Middleton's a drama guy. I don't think he's a pain in the ass guy. So if you're Milwaukee, you probably have a good idea of it already. But a lot of these things, when I see what a team's doing, the same, whether it's Middleton or Sacramento, it's like, are they doing this just to get a place at the table or do they already know? Do they already know something? And I have a theory. I can't figure it out. Yeah, go, go for it. And I'm going to throw it to you right after the break. This episode is brought to you by Burger King, which has the greatest commercial song I think I've ever heard. The ultimate hunger hack has arrived, my friends. BK's Royal Crispy Wraps. Choose from four bold flavors, classic, spicy, honey mustard, and the new, drumroll please, fiery buffalo. Oh yeah, I'm getting that one. They're only, only just $2.99 each because at BK, have it your way, you roll. Try Royal Crispy Wraps at Burger King, $2.99 each. Price and participation vary, U.S. only. This episode is brought to you by Verbo. You know, it is already stressful enough to deal with airports, delayed flights, bad weather. You want your actual where you're staying experience to be perfect, to be lights out. You don't want to have to worry about anything. When you book a vacation rental, you want to know exactly what you're paying ahead of time. The stress of getting hit with unexpected cleaning fees after your stay that can immediately cancel out all the great time you just spent unwinding. Thankfully, when you book with Verbo, you can see the total price upfront. There are no unpleasant surprises and the savings do not stop there, my friends. When you book with Verbo, you earn 2% cash back toward your next vacation through the One Key Rewards program, letting your money do the work for you while you've got your feet up. So while other vacation rentals can feel like a roll of the dice, relax knowing you booked a Verbo. Book your next private vacation rental in the Verbo app. All right, coming back, what is Sacramento up to? Right now, they have about $35.6 million in cap space. Thought bubble. I have no inside information. Don't aggregate this. It was just an idea. And it's preying on history of Vivek, where he came from as a Warriors minority owner, Sacramento's place in the Northern California ecosystem, and Clay Thompson, who is owed $43 million for the last year of his deal on a team that is going to be in the 200s again once they re-sign Draymond. What would happen if the Kings called the Warriors and said, we'll give you Herder for Clay? You save $27.3 million this year, plus all the tax stuff. 
And we have the cap room that we can actually do that trade because we're so far under. We can trade you Herder. We'll take back Quay. We'll take back the last Quay year and then we'll figure out some extension with him. And now we have one of the three Warriors. Take us seriously. Clay Thompson is now in the Sacramento Kings. I don't think Golden State would do it. I don't. Now, the gap between Herder and Clay is probably more interesting than you would think, like at least at this point. Uh, I think probably too much focus has been put on Clay during the playoffs, which is pretty bad, but I know, you know, what we do because I still feel like those two months in the regular season tells me, like, you know, the, I feel like the players are more unfortunate than an example of, like, who he is now. But the gap between those guys is probably closer if you really want to dig into it, the age, the expense, the tax saving and all that. But it feels a little bit like Philly eventually saying we can't see Iverson in a Celtics uniform. I just don't think Golden State would let, especially knowing the Vivek thing between ownership, being involved in it, then him having his thing, getting Mike Brown in there. I don't know if the Warriors would want Clay running around in a Kings uniform. So that's where I landed, but it was the most interesting fake trade I could make up this weekend just from a, wow, that's like, I think both sides have a meeting. And if you're the Warriors, you're looking at with the price for Clay this year, which brings all the second apron bullshit into your season right away, plus all the tax stuff. And could you just talk yourself into like, eh, maybe we'll be 70% as good as Herder with the, with the, with Herder in those minutes. But there are all these other benefits we get out of it that make it worth it for us. Not to mention like with Clay, um, what's he expecting for the next contract, right? Especially if they take care of Draymond. What's he worth with his next contract? Who are they competing against? Are they paying for past performance? It's a trade that Belichick would make in five seconds. And everybody would go, oh my God, Belichick traded Clay Thompson. That was the coldest thing he's ever done. Danny Ainge would make this trade, right? I think would you? the Warriors. Would you do Clay for Herder? <sighs> I'd have, a, I, I, as you know, I'm a, I'm a sap with the championship DNA era guys. It's really hard for me. The greatest one of, oh, I get to bring in the 80 Celtics into this. So excited. Um, where Danny had that whole thing about how they should have traded McHale in 88. They could have gotten Detlef Shrimp and Sam Perkins for McHale and Red wouldn't do it because he's like, I can't do that to my guys. These guys, like this whole era, I'm, not, I'm just not, I don't feel good about it. I'm not doing it. But then Danny, like 15 years later in retrospect was like, he should have fucking done it. Like that, that actually, that trade would have extended a lot of stuff. It was a smart trade. It made sense financially. Those three guys were getting old. And, you know, that this is not Perkins and Shrimp. It's much more of a, you're saving 27 plus million dollars. And that brings in all of this other stuff, tax savings, second apron. You might even get to use that little $5 million mid-level if you, if you cut that much salary, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and then also like the past performance thing with a great star gets tough. And we've seen it a lot of times with a lot of players over the years where the guy isn't the guy he thinks he is anymore, but still behaves that way, which can be tough to manage. I thought it really hurt them in the playoffs last year, especially in that Lakers series. He took, took a lot of shots in that series that he used to make in the past, but just wasn't making. And it really hurt them. I have no problem with Golden State saying, hey, you know, we're a year off a championship, a disappointing playoff run a brutal matchup considering the lack of size. They just, you know, I think this is where I have value or I would personally value going, give me at least a big option. I'm not saying he's even part of the eight-man rotation all the time, but just give me like a big option in mm. case in the playoffs you run against a team that's a lot bigger. And the Lakers should just, for the most part in that series, 
just at will, at will whenever yeah, they want to get deep. Them. Yeah. So, um, you know, that has nothing to do with really on the clay thing, but I think bigger picture, the way they've talked about it, the way Kerr's talked about it, it's clear like Dunleavy didn't like the pool contract. So as soon as he could get rid of that, he moves on from it. Chris Paul, as much as I love it personally, because I think it's hilarious, he is the opposite of the way they play. So I still wonder what yeah, that is. Yeah, we talked about it two years ago or two weeks ago, remember? We talked about the mechanics of CP for pool when, when we thought that was a Phoenix Golden State trade. And you were like, I, I don't think he fits in the style you talked about in your podcast on Friday. I still feel like he's older and malleable and they really just need him for two nine-minute stretches per half. And maybe in the playoffs that becomes more. But for regular season, it's just give us good 18 good minutes, dude. We're saving you for April, May, June, right? Yeah, that's the difference. Is he's not coming in there going, all right, I'm the starting point guard and it all goes through me now and I'm playing 35 minutes and now I'm going to slow it down. Like, they're not going to do that and I'm sure he's okay with it. And him being with the second unit playing his style. And I would also point to even him with Harden. Like, he had to figure out, even though they would, they would basically just stagger them, but they would close together too. And when they close together... You know, I still think it was a little frustrating for Chris Paul, but it was frustrating for Chris Paul five years ago. I don't think it's right. going to be as frustrating now if he's closing with those dudes in certain spots. I, I think he's still going to be, although the shooting has dipped, I'd at least think he's smart enough basketball-wise to, to find a way and not fight. Like I, I don't think he's going in there being like, all right, we're going to do my thing here and I'm going to default to it because he's going to have to be a different guy up there. So uh, Golden State, we can talk about the Draymond part of it more if, if you want to here. Them, a tweak here and a tweak there and Lake up being fine with the tax bill, it, it feels like the right thing to go just to keep, look at it what, look one right. more year. And they have yeah. that with Clay's contract if they don't do the extension. We agree. I don't think, I just thought it was a really interesting thought bubble experiment. I guess the side question of it is who do you think they value more? Draymond at 30 million a year or whatever, or Clay for 40. I just thought Draymond was was the only awesome defensive player they had last year, right? And just losing him from the team they had last year, I don't think they'll get any stops at all. Um, but I think you could replace Clay in some of his offense and patch it together, especially if Moody gets better this year. Yeah, I mean, they really, they really didn't get anything out of the three lottery picks. Maybe Moody yeah. as a rotational shooter. Um, it's weird because I still think there's moments with Kaminga, but every time I go like, hey, what's your what's your track record with moment guys? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like Man. do moment guys really turn into something? And then Wiseman not being around. Look, we've covered all this stuff before, but Draymond was one of five players to have his rebound, defensive rebound, steal and block rate. The differential with him defensively was still a staggering thing. He was he was great defensively. And it's also, you know, I know it'd feel like a real swipe to Golden State if Sacramento were to grab Draymond and then bring in that toughness, help their defensive numbers, which is why we kind of doubted them big picture. Like, could they actually win a title? I remember in March we did that pod where it's like, wait, should we actually like talk about them as a real title contender? And I just couldn't get past the defense, even though I think there were times in the playoffs where they were better defensively. But I just want to ask you this. Like, we saw what happened to Sabonis in that Warrior series where he was completely yeah. ignored. Can you play Sabonis and Green together like, wouldn't the smart teams go, oh, wait, you've got two guys out here we don't have to pay attention to? Could that actually make it harder, even if it felt like this emotional victory by grabbing the heart and soul of the Warriors if you're the Sacramento Kings? So, 
if we were going to do the weight, it's not totally fair because he was injured during the playoffs, guys, from last playoffs. Sabonis is on the first team, right? He had that hand thing basically from the midway through the season. And I, didn't, I just didn't feel like he shot the ball the same after he got hurt. And Jalen is the other one. I have a Celtic fan in my life who's like, Jalen cut his hand open. The thing was bleeding for half the playoffs. And he was just even sloppier with the ball than usual. And it had to be because of the hand. And I'm like, all right, I'm not going to rule that out. It sounds like an excuse, but I don't know how hurt that hand was. I know that they, my dad was at the games going, why do they keep like putting these extra heavy wraps on his hand does seem great. So I, with the Sabonis thing, I just don't think he, I think he's better than he showed in the playoffs. I know it sounds as an excuse, but we both watched a lot of Kings last year. Um, he shot the ball way better the first half of the year. Uh, that's fine. You know, open to that. You're right. It was broken. I mean, he, he played with an injury. Other guys weren't going to play with the Jalen. And he never one, used it as an excuse either. Like you've almost forgot he had it. Right. The Jalen one I'd listen to if I didn't see the exact same thing in the playoffs <laughs> yeah, last year. True. So, yeah, I, so you know. as long as you don't go on YouTube and Google 2022 and all that stuff. So if you were Sacramento and and Rich Paul came to you and he said, look, he wants to go back to Golden State. But if you gave him four for 180, he would come. Because Golden State's offering him like three for 100 and it's like escalating like if you went on the table with four for 180, I think he would come. So it's an $80 million tax for what he's mm -hmm. worth. Would you do that if you were Sacramento? Because I would not. I'd be too terrified of those last two years. And I honestly don't think they're close enough anyway to take a swing like that. But I would have a meeting. He's 33. Yeah. We already talked about the defensive numbers. Um, unfortunately, he's not even close offensively to what he was in his best version. No. You know, he's given us numerous examples, but I mean, I see a guy that actually like, you know, I'll mention, you know, certain players that I'm like, I don't know if that guy's totally comfortable with the ball in his hands. Well, those yeah. guys are scorers. With Draymond, he can get away with it because nobody's expecting him to score, but he's just, there's times you just see, but like he just is, I don't know what happened to him, man. It happened a few years ago. He just didn't want, he didn't look at the rim the same way. Uh, I would also, it seemed like he was a little afraid to get fouled too. Right. Piece of that. I'm with you. Like that number gets so big that it would scare me. Now we could also say, hey, look, you know, the number's going to keep going up, uh, but they're going to have to resign a couple of their own guys. This is all understanding, I guess, that Harrison Barnes isn't part of the picture at all moving forward. But there's a lot of teams that do do this. You know, Sacramento would go through. They'd sit in the room and they go, okay, do we are we ever a destination for free agent for free agents? No. No one's ever going to go come here. No one's ever going to demand a trade here, even if they're like, even if this is the beginning of an ascension where they're actually like competing to get out of the West for, for multiple years. So when you look at the Gordon Hayward Charlotte deal, you're like, what were you guys thinking? And he wasn't even healthy. Like that was a crazy deal on top of the fact that he had an awful health track record. But if you're yeah. Charlotte, you're going, we finally have cap space, a potential like top 30 or 40 guy wants to come here. So let's just do it. You know so what it is? It's a 25% nobody wants to come here tax. Yeah, right. Like I could say you can't do it. Those numbers are too huge. You got to worry about all this stuff in the end. I think NBA teams are more likely to go, look, we're this good already. We have this kind of fluky cap space scheduling thing here. We're able to move some things around. I just wonder if they did it because they know 
they're in play or if they did it just to give themselves a chance. And that's what I can't figure out. And yeah, I also wonder if they could grab a Kuzma Grant Williams combo for the same money it would take to get Draymond. There, out of all the free agents, we're going to talk about them in a later segment. The the one that you could talk me into ten teams for him is Cam Johnson, where Cam Johnson's the classic. On July first, he signed somewhere for some crazy number, and it's like, yeah, yeah, we knew we were getting him for the last two weeks. And you could tell me that's ten teams for him, right? You could be like Detroit, Houston. Sacramento, because guys like that, they can kind of fit into just about any rotation. But Sacramento, so I'm flagging them. And then here's the last one. And, you know, I think both of us are annoyed by the Dame situation already. On the one hand, it gives us stuff to talk about on podcasts. And on the other hand, he's like the married woman at, at, you know, at the club who says how happily married she is. But then, you know, at the end of the night, it's like, why is she talking to the fucking 22-year-old bartender again. What's going on with that lady? Dame's doing the, I don't want to go, I don't want to go. But then it's like, oh no, just randomly the song Miami's playing in the background or he's giving these interviews. He's got to pick a side. Either he wants to stay or he wants to go. But right now it just seems like he's a little eyelash batty. Um, And the problem is we all think Miami is the most logical deal, but I don't feel like it's enough for him, even if he's a little older, which... Brings me to this question, Marcelo. The most logical deal, if we're just talking talent, what makes sense for Portland, where they are now that they have Scoot, they have this younger team, they're certainly not going to compete for a title the next couple of years. It doesn't make sense for them to get a whole bunch of assets back if their assets aren't even that good. What if it's just Towns for Dame and there's some pick swaps in there? And that's the trade. And... Portland says to Dame, you know what? This is actually your best chance to chase the title because you could be with Edwards and Gobert and all these role players they have and um, and you're going to be in a better spot. And then if it doesn't work out there, maybe they flipped you. And if you're Portland, you get Towns and you just put Towns with all these perimeter guys you have. And you go like, from a basketball standpoint, isn't that just the most logical trade or am I overthinking it? And neither you or I are Towns fans. No, we're not fans. So... You know, the funny thing about the Lillard deal was it's like, man, that's really expensive for a guy. And then just time flies. You're like, oh, there's only two years left on it. You know, um, I am always hesitant to do anything to mess with Anthony Edwards. I don't know if that would take him off of the ball too much or yeah. if it would make his life easier because Damian Lillard is somebody you have to extend out on. You have to freak out on every high ball screen because you can't give that guy an inch or he's going to stick it. Well, um, think about going against them. You're like, oh, fuck, we're playing Damon Anthony Edwards tonight. Fuck. Got to figure this out. Like, that's that's that team now has an identity. That's a really hard team to play against. And you'd think, you know, wherever you're at with Edwards' defense, I, his attitude and the fact that, like, he steps up where it's like, I'll, you yeah. know what, I've seen him close against some of the best players in the game. So I think that's only going to get better. And then you have Jaden in the mix, you know, who was an afterthought because of the stupid injury in the playoffs. But defensively, like that feels like a better two three pairing around Dame than we've had recently because you have to figure yeah. out a way to have the other guard pick up some of the stuff that you're going to lose with Dame, which is Portland's main problem. The Miami and they'd, song, have, they'd have the McDaniel's piece of it to guard the other team's best scorer. They'd right. have Gobert to protect the rim for both guys. They'd have Nas Reed as a backup still to replace some of the town's minutes. They have slow mo. I just think that's a team that becomes. 
you know, very contendery. I got to say, I was, I was laying out like who would be in the rotation. I was like, oh, I kind of like this team. I don't like the team they have now. I think the Towns Gobert thing is unsustainable as even going past the first round. Yeah. And yeah, I'll be honest too. Like the town stuff, it's, it's not necessarily even the play. Like, I'll just admit it. There's, there's certain personalities around the league yeah. where I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that guy. And he's, he's a first round pick for me in that. Oh, he's and, a lottery pick. Yeah. Easily. Um, you know, I thought his, his interview with Pat Bev, I was like, you know, people can listen to this, right? Like, you know, <laughs> him saying, you know, he'll change the game and people talk about him, like whatever. People say dumb shit all the time. But then when he was saying that it was actually like more impressive what they did winning yeah. that play-in game and then he started so explaining bad. it. I, he started yeah. explaining it. He's like, Denver was together for all these years and we had just right. got, you're like, dude, do you, you actually think that shit? That's like, that's where the next day you go, hey, man, I got to apologize. I took some gummies before I did that Pat Beverly podcast. And I just said some crazy shit. My bad. I don't actually think the stuff I said. Yeah. So uh, I I think I'd be for that. I think I'd be for it even if. You know, well, so think of, think of it this way. If you're Portland. Okay. And you could get Tyler Hero and some contract and then some first from Miami, a team that's always good. Or you could get from Brooklyn all the Phoenix picks and, you know, whatever else. And it's like, I like the Phoenix picks. Ishbi is, is already basically slapped his cock down and said, I'm going to spend $200 million a year. Money is no object to me. <laughs> we're, gonna, we're basically going to be the uh, early 2000s Mark Cuban Mavericks or the Paul Allen Blazers. And I just don't care about money. And whatever it is year after year, that's going to be our advantage is I don't care about the money aspect of this. I don't know if I'd want all the picks from from the Phoenix side and I don't wouldn't want the picks from the Miami side. I'd want to get like a real player. And I don't think Brooklyn, like why would they trade Bridges for him? That makes no sense. So you just go through all the possible Dame trades. The other option is to just kind of wait until December, January, February. But now you have to talk Dame into that. I've got this weird team with Dame and Simons and Scoot and Shade and Sharp and like, what am I doing? And da so Dame just go and score 40 a game. And we'll try to figure this out in December. So I don't know. I personally, at gunpoint, would rather just keep Dame and figure I'll have a better chance in December, January. But I think the Towns piece is really, that would be a really fun piece for all the stuff they have. Especially Scoot's like a real alpha, you know? And like maybe that's the kind of guy who should be playing with Towns. Yeah, I, mean, we, I think we only really talked about that Towns part of it from the Minnesota side of it with Dame and what that would mean. Cause you know, would you be shocked if Portland was like, now we're good. Like some of the stuff you guys said, why, like you're going to add that to Nurkic and then do what go Simon scoot. And then it's also with the Dame thing. It's like, can you give us a heads up before we make a decision on Jeremy Grant? So there's all these different factors where it usually feels like teams just kind of run it back. And you know what I had said on the pod on Thursday too was, or excuse me, Friday is that, you'd hope Dame has enough of a relationship with some of the leftovers from the previous regime and the new pieces in that front office to go, hey, we would love to trade number three for a really great, impactful guy. But those trades don't really happen. A team with a good player that you'd want that still yeah. hopes to be good isn't trading us unless they felt like Scoot was going to be all world. And even then, teams are afraid to kind of do that stuff for a guy that hasn't even played in the league yet. So 
whenever there's a do you think they blow it up, run it back thing, I almost always guess run it back because that's what history tells us in this league. Real quick, though, on the Miami song, as much as I would agree, and I'm sick of the Dame updates all the time because he clearly, like, wants to be nice about it. But, yeah. you know, it's getting Aaron Rodgers-ish E with me where I'm like, oh, cool, another status update? Like, here we go. I yeah, we the Mi- like Dame. We're good. But yeah. We're good with the status updates. Yeah, but I still think the Miami song thing was like, wait, this has to be addressed. I think that one was where I felt like, could you just have not addressed it? And we'd, we'd be good. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe they're so sick. Maybe they're so used to feeling like they have to say something about these. Because, uh, yeah, look, it's just been going on like two plus years now. That's all. And I think it sucks. I think it kind of sucks for fans. Like, I feel bad for fans with this because it's like, you know, there's plenty of times with fans, I'm like, you're out of your mind. Like, why do you think that? And it's like, oh, it's because you hope that that's what the outcome is and you don't want to see anything any other way. But the when you're the guy and you've been that important to a city for that long, especially like a city like Portland, this is such a great basketball history. Like, those guys are so into it. And you're kind of fucking with them emotionally for two plus years. Like, I start to feel bad for the fan base, even if it's a fan base I don't like. They, it couldn't have gone better if Scoot falling a third. It's just an unbelievable turn of events for them. And it gives them so many options now. And you and I both thought Scoot should have gone second. We'll see if we were right. But for Portland, now now you're set. As long as Scoot comes out and does what we think he can do coming out of the gate, now you have a whole bunch of options. And Dame might say, you know what? This is great. I actually think Scoot's really good. Actually, don't yeah. do anything. <laughs> yeah, the, the least talked about scenario which may be the most likely one is exactly that. And I'm glad you said it because it's just, what if he starts going through camp with Scoot, they bring back Grant, maybe they add a rotational big or something like that. And they go, wow, wait, like this guy's going to be really good. But I still think it means Simons has to then be you flipped move into Simons, something else. Yeah. yeah. Which shouldn't be that I, hard. I'd also be very careful before I started throwing around a nine-figure contract for Jeremy Grant. But that's just me. Well, that's what it's going to be. That's what it's going to be. Without question, it's who am I competing against? Detroit, maybe they bring cool. him back. Sacramento, they're going to turn Harrison Barnes into Jeremy Grant. Is that, are they much different at that point? They're a little different. Are they going to beat Denver because they got they turned Harrison Barnes into Jeremy Grant? I don't think so. Are we doing this later? We're going through our free agent picks and trying to yeah, guess we'll contracts. do that later. All right, all right. Because I have um, more on that, but I'll save it. Yeah, let's uh, let's take a break. Actually. This episode is brought to you by Peloton. Spring, the best time of the year to dial your fitness routine up a notch. You know it's going to happen. It's going to get warm. You're going to start wearing shorts. You're going to start wearing bathing suits. You're, just, you're not going to be able to cover up behind those big coats anymore. Also, it's nice outside. Get outside. Do stuff. Or if you don't have time to get outside, I got Peloton for you. Whether you have five or 60 minutes, Peloton's workouts were made to challenge you. Classes like boot camps, full body strength, boxing, marathon training are created to grow your skills or push you to improve in what you already excel in and you won't feel bad about not being outside. Peloton's expert coaches, challenging classes, and nonstop vibes will keep you coming back for more. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. We are supported by Men's Warehouse. When you wear a tailored Men's Warehouse outfit, it makes you feel confident like you can do anything, whether it's a sharp, well-fitted outfit that makes you want to roll back the ears and dance like no one is watching at a wedding, or a suit that makes you feel like you've got the job before 
you walk into a job interview. You should definitely give Men's Warehouse a shot. And here's why. Men's Warehouse, the only nationwide men's clothing store that has a tailor in every store to fit your suit, shirt, jeans, et cetera, to your body. And Men's Warehouse is everywhere with 600 plus locations nationwide. So if you need one, and you will, there's one near you. Feel like you can do anything in an outfit from Men's Warehouse. Visit your Men's Warehouse store or click or tap to shop online. All right, so you mentioned the phrase one more time on your podcast on Friday. Sorry, I'm grabbing ideas from your podcast, but sometimes when I hear other people's podcasts, I'm like, oh, he he raced over that. That was actually a good gimmick. The Clippers are the all-time staring at whatever fucking whiteboard they have with all their names and their salaries, trying to decide whether they're going to trade Paul George or not. And they kind of look around and they go, what do you think, one more time? And everybody's like, yeah, one more time, let's go. So we're going to try to figure out how many one more time teams there are. It's it's the cousin of One Last Job, the action movie gimmick, where the guy's kind of out. It's like, no, One Last Job, man. I, I know the guy who runs this bank. Oh, 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 not the title. You mean just the overall... The, the, the concept, like, ah, one, one last job. What could go wrong? Um, the Clippers. What's the movie? Are, what's the movie where the cop gets diagnosed with a terminal illness and he thinks is that out of time? Oh, D- Denzel Washington. No, no, <laughs> you got to go way back for this one. I forget no, I this know. guy. He's a white guy. He's around. He's kind of a that guy award type of white guy. And I think he was a star. Yeah. Maybe one of the few movies he was a star of. Um, and it was like a comedy, but he just went crazy because he thought it was like, I'm just about to retire. It's you know what I was thinking I was screwing up the like whenever the cop is mentioned that he's retiring soon in the beginning of a show or a movie, he right. gets shot six weeks left. Yeah. yeah, that's yeah. the lethal whip weapon gimmick. So we both think Clippers. This is a one more time team. I can't imagine, especially with the new stadium opening in a year that. <laughs> it's like, well, if it doesn't work out this year, one more year after that. I actually thought it was very conceivable and possible that they would trade Paul George because I don't think Kawhi has a lot of trade value and maybe try to turn him into something else, but I don't know what the market was for him, how serious the Knicks talks were, whether there's a Sacramento element that could possibly happen. Um, But all indications seem that the Clippers are going to just, you could talk, if you're them and you spend enough time and maybe have enough drinks, you can go through every season and talk yourself into, well, if that hadn't happened, and talk yourself into a bad luck angle for each season. But the problem is Kawhi um, and Paul George has have just had a ton of bad luck in their entire career. And you're betting on the two bad luck guys, which goes back to your Brogdon point, maybe not bring Brogdon into that whole mix. So we, you agree that the Clippers are a one more time team? Uh, yeah, we should call it the Daft Punk teams. Mm. This, is, this is a no-brainer. Like if we were drafting it, which I'm actually surprising how gimmicky we can get here. We're not drafting it, but that's fine. Uh, the Clippers, I just always think about the team. I think about the guys, Lawrence Frank, the whole crew. They're going over everything and they go, okay, what are the options, gang? And you're like, well, the best options our guys are right. So fuck it. <laughs> Let's just do one more year. Maybe not extend these guys, but do one more year. They've got player options that total almost $100 million between the two of them. They can mm. figure it out. Uh, you know, I thought the Paul George Trey Young thing was at least interesting last week, but then I started thinking about it more. I got a couple texts. It was like that's actually 
even though I think DeJounte and then Paul George are going, okay, positionally wise, maybe you've got like considering he's 33 with his injury history and you have to make a contract decision on something else, like it's actually whatever thing of Trey Young, that's not enough for Trey Young. It's not enough for Trey Young, especially when you consider kind of the Zion, New Orleans, Trey, Atlanta thing of how important he is to that city for that franchise. Like there's an extra bump in value, almost like the Ewing stuff with you. So when you when we go over these teams and be like, they can't run that back again. A lot of times I'm like, yeah, they probably will, though. And I don't blame them. Do yeah, you? like they they probably sketched out a whole what's the best possible next deal we could make conversation, right? And it's like, all right, at two o'clock, we'll deep dive Obi Toppin. And they're just going to throw out the players. And then at some point you go, ah, when Paul George is healthy, he's still really fucking good. Let's try it. Let's see if we can try to keep him healthy. All right, so we think the Clippers run it back. I still feel like they'll be more than willing to take somebody's longer contract for one of their one year and you can get rid of them guys. And maybe that's where they'll operate in. Oh, you want to get off money in 2024, 25? Well, we'll take that back because maybe they'll care a little less. I really, really, really don't want people to sleep on the whole new building part with the Clippers because they're taking a huge risk. They're building this basketball only building that's in Inglewood where the Lakers used to be a long time ago. It's next to the football stadium. It's not really near anything, right? And they're the Clippers anyway. Nobody cares about the Clippers out here. They have their small, it's a lot like the Kings where they have their, their small, loyal group of fans. And other than that, they kind of come and go depending on how relevant they are. And I just don't, I don't see them going into that first season with that arena and not having star power. So if they're looking at that from that perspective, you're better off keeping your fingers crossed with Paul George would be my take. I, I also think this makes them a Zion possibility because that's a star power guy, right? Come to our new arena. We have Zion Williamson. Maybe we might have Zion Williamson. Yeah, we might. We, he might right. play today or he might be in a jogging suit. Because it's also worth at least mentioning too, like if you were to trade Paul George, what is what is what happens with Kawhi? Um, and I'm being sarcastic because he's a super easy dude to predict. Although maybe he is in a non-sarcastic way for easy to predict because you just the predictable part is that you'll never know with him. Um, but the new building thing, all those factors, much like, you know, Trey's importance to Houston and all the stuff that we've already talked about here. So you're right. Like, I don't think they're going to want to go in there saying we have the rights to Portland's pick top six protected in 2025. Are you interested in a luxury suite for your business? Yeah. You know, would you like to sign up for our first six Rose Club? All right, let's make it a draft. You have the second pick. Who's your one more time team? Golden State. You got State. me excited when you said the word draft. Yeah, I know. Uh, Golden State. Oh, really? What you think, maybe our definition of the parameters here, I looked at it as going into this offseason being like, we're just going to run it back. No, I, I had them as well. I was just trying I was trying to make the draft more exciting. <laughs> um, I, I do think if they trade Draymond, I mean, I'm sorry, if they re-sign Draymond, then you could say it's one more time, but the heart of this team is Steph Curry and Draymond, and we'll, maybe we'll bring Clay back. But I think there's some one more time element with Clay. I think Clay is a really, really proud fucking dude. Not that a lot of these guys aren't, but I just don't see him. His price has been set in the 40s. He's not going to get that again, but I don't see him taking the huge pay cut. Just like I don't see Draymond taking the huge pay cut. I think all these guys feel like they were part of this dynasty. They feel like it was a dynasty. And, you know, 
it's like when Kobe took that giant contract the last two years and just destroyed their cap space. He's like, fuck that. I deserve it. I deserve all this money. I keep this stadium sold. This is what I deserve. And I, I think Clay's going to be like that. So on paper, one more time team because of the Chris Paul contract. But I still feel like the nucleus is going to be there for them. Okay, but I also think it's important to bring up the pool stuff because, you know, it's a bit like the Beal thing where, yeah, I get it. That trade for Beal, like, of course, that price. Are you kidding? But it wasn't a normal trade. It wasn't like other trades because you got the no trade clause. And that felt more like him going to one of two places. So you're not even, he's not even a market. You don't even have teams bidding. I mean, that's what's so terrible about that. No, clause. they destroyed his value. I, don't, I still don't know why they did that. Yeah, no, something, it's funny you bring that up. Do you just go Daryl Morey, which is why I respected what he did with Simmons so much with Philly. I don't think a lot of GMs would have allowed that to go as long as it did. And Daryl wasn't going to do it until he got his price. And thank God he got his price because he turned Ben Simmons, who doesn't play, into Harden. And no matter what you think of Harden, like that's yeah. a massive win. And he got it because he was patient. He's like, hey, the, the offers suck. These offers suck, and I'm not going to do it. So, you know, whatever. You don't want to play? Fine. I think other GMs would have given in to that a little bit. And that's why when I think about the Beal thing, you know, that could have been over owner-driven, new front office coming in, clean slate, move on. But if that's <laughs> – you have to wonder. I'm so glad you brought it up because you have to wonder at some point if you were Michael Winger, if you just go, hey, actually, no. No. Right. I actually like the trade they got. I liked all those pick swaps. And I like Jordan P Poole. I'd rather pay Jordan Poole um, the the 30. And you get Tyus Jones. You get to potentially flip him in February. But just, I feel like Poole could match a lot of Beal's stats. He's not as good of a player. But production-wise, offensively, he could put together a lot of the same numbers. Okay, but and the he's final thing. 20 million less. The Poole thing, though, like having those numbers then be gone later on unlike Beal, where the numbers continue, you know, that's yeah. that's the part of the Phoenix deal where you're like, okay, are you sure? And they felt like they were so all in, and for the price that they got him, like, who cares? And they still are on the line of of teams that, you know, could this team be a contender? I think it'd be crazy to just say no about Phoenix, but with Poole, maybe his contract now being all those future numbers gone, whether it's Chris Paul after this yeah. year, not being re-signed for that kind of number, whatever they do with Wiggins, maybe they look at it as like, we can sign all these guys and whatever you think the tax calculations are for Draymond. Because I have those on like different versions of what his deal is and what him leaving yeah. for nothing versus him coming back at like 90 million. The gap between that is uh, like the tax bill is so insane. And we'll run through it a little bit later. Like maybe they go, okay, now that pool's gone, we feel even better about extending out some of these dues, but hopefully not at the 40 and 30 million averages they're used to. And it's okay to get crushed this year. It seems like um, when it gets to two, three years down the road, that's when you got to be a little more careful. All right, I'm going to go with my one more time team draft. Uh, I'm going to say New Orleans, but it's Zion specific. I think this this has to be your last year doing the Zion dance. And I actually think, I really do think that if there was a trade for him this week, it would have happened. And I just don't know if any other team felt comfortable. There, There's such a disparity in what New Orleans probably feels like Zion's value is versus what the rest of the league looking at it from afar probably thinks it is that you have no chance. What was the trade going to be? You know, it's it just wasn't going to happen. But I think New Orleans is like, all right, 
Let's try to figure out how to make this go. Would it shock me if he wasn't on the team to start the season? No. But, you know, I just always look at it from, like with Tommy Shepard, when he gave Bradley Beal that no trade clause, he kind of felt like I got to keep Bradley Beal here or otherwise I'm not going to have a job in here. And as it turned out, he lost his job anyway. If you're Griffin and the Zion thing doesn't work out after another year and now he's untradeable, who gets blamed after that? It's the GM. That's how the league works. Would you have done three for Zion if you were Portland? I think I would have. I mean, Simons would have had to be in that too, right? And I would have made them take Nurkic. I think I would have. But you and I are higher on Zion the most. But I, I, it's really tough because I love Scoot too. But I just feel like that's a better trade because now I can keep Dame for, versus what I'm looking at 50, 60, 70 cents on the dollar for Dame because there's no perfect trade for him. Until right, and the I Lakers don't, decide I don't, to give Anthony Davis for him. I don't mean to be dismissive of Simons like as if he's a throne because he's not. Um, he's not. But then you've got CJ, Scoot, yeah, and it just Simons. Gets weird. Yeah. So. You know, it would have been hard for them to do the contracts. You're right. Would you it would have almost said, had to be a Jeremy Grant signing trade or something? But that that but that's the point. There's no trade that would have made it with the contract they would have had to take back. It just there was no trade. Who says no? Ingram for Simons and three. So I wonder if that was discussed. Because that sure, was, was kind of the but I if I'm Portland, I I would have had to really think about that. I thought Ingram was the last second half of last year. I was really impressed by him. He's still pretty young too, right? Isn't he like 25, 26? Is he yeah, 26? 26 in September. He's awesome. I mean, you know. I think I would have done that. I think he'd be awesome with Dame. Like awesome. Yeah, that's it. And so I lose Simons. Do I have to lose Nurkic in that too? Can I get rid of Nurkic? In no, you want to get rid of Nurkic. Yeah, that's what I mean. I Nurkic, you have to take Nurkic if I'm giving you. I'd be like, can we have Jackson Hayes weird ass? <laughs> or run some screens one, for him? Right. Can we get one of your your bigs back? Um, now, you think New Orleans, so New Orleans wouldn't wouldn't have done that? New Orleans wouldn't have done that. I don't think they would have because they'd be like, wait, what if we trade Ingram and then Zion's hurt again? So, yeah. you know, our two best players are both out of the mix. You could argue, okay, Ingram doesn't play enough. He's only played 70 games uh, once in his career. That was his rookie year. Uh, you know, granted, a couple of those seasons were pretty close to full seasons on the shortened one. He only played 45. But when he came back this year, and he was a little slow when he came back because he missed some time. But, man, when he came back, I thought he was nasty. And uh, I just think he'd be a perfect fit. Now, Dame, all of a sudden, like it may be an investment into Dame being like, hey, now we don't have to get Miami updates every week because he's happy that he has Ingram on the team. But I think New Orleans probably says no because they're like, well, if we get rid of Ingram and then Zion's hurt again. But back to your original point, they're – they're a perfect example of running it back one more time. I think leading up to the draft, that's what you're hearing more and more of. Like, look, just give it one more shot. Zion's young enough. They still have him under contractual control. Uh, if the offers aren't good enough, I don't know how different the market would be if he also misses even more time this year because I imagine it would probably still be a little similar to what they were being offered that mm. they probably didn't like leading up. So I don't have a problem with it because he's a star in a city that's not going to get a star. You have the next pick. So far, we took the Clippers, Golden State, and New Orleans. 
in the one more time, one last job draft. I'm going to zag a bit because I think they're just going to run it back and no one's going to be excited about it. I think Chicago is going to be a pretty similar team. Oh. I might have been on the trade machine team this weekend trying to figure out a Brogdon, Caruso, Celtics take back Lonzo and just how those salaries could work. And then all of a sudden I brought Charlotte into it and Gordon Hayward was involved and Lonzo was going to Charlotte. And I, I was just... She's basically trying to figure out how to get the Celtics Caruso in a realistic way, and I couldn't pull it off. But you know what the Lonzo ringer looks do? like? Lonzo's out for the year, and he has some injury exception, right? So they can use half of his money on somebody yeah, else. They will, um, right? I think Chicago brings back Vucevic. I don't think Zach really has a market with the four playoff games in nine years. I don't think there's a line outside the Zach door right now. And then DeRozan <laughs> is on a good contract, and maybe you look to trade him December, December, January range. And that, now you're like, so what is what is your training camp like? Where you're like trying to get the fans excited? You're like, ah, Patrick Williams. You should see him go to his left now. Worked on it all summer. Like, what what are your? We were so close to beating Miami in that playing game. People forget, like we were right there. How do you get your fans fired up? Yeah, because blowing it up, you know, I, I look, I actually feel bad for Chicago. They were right about the DeRozan thing when it felt like all of us were wrong. I was wrong. I'm like, how much? How? Like, what? And then he takes the it Vooch up to another level. The Vooch trade was bad. The Vooch trade was irresponsible. Right. But they thought, like, that I don't know. The trade was ridiculous. Right. But I'm just saying, like, part of, I'm admitting one of my flaws in that sometimes you feel I feel bad? Like, sympathy? No, 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 no. No, no. I don't think it's sympathy. It's just that... We were so conditioned to think that every move like had to be, oh, does that make, like, I just hate talk radio shit where like the trade happens and it's like, does that guarantee you a title? You're like, no, dickhead, it doesn't. Yeah. You win. Maybe. Okay. How about the you, five seed? Is that you good? Win, Is the right. five seed good for you? Like, you win the argument, man. Let's take some calls. Or <laughs> any move that's not tanking if you're not <laughs> yeah. in that. Like, I'll just never forget like being on the set once with Bob Ryan where the Celtics made some minor move. And then I think Felger may have said like, yeah, but is this, is this like championship driven? And Bob Ryan's like, who cares? This team isn't that good. Just being better would be nice. Right. <laughs> and and it, it made an impression on me yeah. because sometimes I'll look at these teams and just go, Hey, we're just trying to get better. We're trying to compete. And I think that's what Chicago did. And then everybody got better around them. The East got way better real quickly. Uh, the Vooch rule should be, does this guarantee you like moving on a couple rounds of playoffs? No, it doesn't. The price looks even worse after the fact. But I get what they no, were trying to do. No, it looks better after they took Jed Howard. I think the price <laughs> is actually now better. You, see, you lay out all that tra the trade on paper. It's like, ah, they basically traded Franz and Carter for Vooch. I can talk myself into that. I'm trying to think of like the last time, but then it wasn't that long ago. I think Johnny Davis was the most recent. Everybody's like, man, I don't know if I see it. Actually, people yeah, probably like Johnny Davis more when he was drafted than they did. Uh, well, it was weird because he had a teammate that everybody seemed to think was better than him. That's also That was also a weird dynamic. Oh, Buff Kobe. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. So you took Chicago. The Celts are still on the board, and I'm going to take them from a... Uh, one more time with with the Jalen contract, which he's going to get, but they won't be able to trade until next July. And, you know, it's it's in the air. I I sent you the FanDuel odds 
And the Celtics are the favorites to win the title on FanDuel at plus 460. And Denver is plus 470. I just thought that was outrageous. And may I get it. Maybe the East is is worse than the West. But Denver, to me, is the most repeatable champ we've had since the 2017 Warriors. I, the style of play, the age of the guys... And the fact that they're going to be able to so easily add around on the fringes with rotations and all the guys who would want to play on that team. I just, how are they not the favorites? I don't understand it. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. I don't get it. I mean, Bruce Brown's a nice piece, but I mean, that's the thing is as soon as you go in there, you're going to be a better player because of Jokic. You just are. Maybe maybe Christian Brown will play a lot of those Bruce Brown minutes and actually be pretty good. I really like Bruce Brown. I valued what he did, but. Christian Brown might be ready to do more for that team too. I did. So anyway, with the Celts, they're the, somehow the favorites, even though they've only made one finals. Um, the Porzingis thing, you know, Zach was saying how the thing that made him nervous about the trade was they were already not a good passing team and they moved, they moved their best passer, whether you would call Sparta a great passer, I don't know, that's debatable, but he at least would look for other guys. And Porzingis is another, I need the ball guy. And he was just worried about um, just that piece of it. I'm still so bullish on Derek White from what we saw last year, um, being able to step up and have stuff run through him, that I'm not as worried about it. But, you know, they, there's there's a world where this Celtics season goes sideways, as weird as that sounds, because they're prohibitive favorites in the East, right? You got Rob and you have Porzingis, not exactly uh, Lou Gehrig and AC Green from a durability standpoint. <laughs> Um, you have all of a sudden it's going to be like Peyton Pritchard. It's time. It's hey Brogdon might be ready for the start of the season. Like there, there's some little stuff and then giving Jalen all that money, which they're going to do. What does that mean? Is he going to want to be there? So well, he's going to want to be the there. Missoula piece. Right. I mean, that that's the year. Some of the restrictions that we've been talking about too, like they're not going to take place this season anyway. So, um, Okay, you know, as, disapp- as disappointing as the Philly series was, because they should have beaten them, they shouldn't have been down 3-2 to that team, and then even worse, the Miami team. Um, to lose those series, whether it's the finals last year, the Eastern Conference finals this year, like you go into it being like, hey, that's still a really good team. I'm with you. I wouldn't make them the favorites over Denver, but I think the statistical models have had a hard-on for Boston now for two years. Yeah, you know, I think Wick Grossbeck, I remember listening to him in a preview of this up of this upcoming past season where he went on NBA radio and he said, hey, we were a little overrated. And the and the the host didn't understand what he meant. And what he meant was is that I think 538 gave the Celtics like an 87% chance of winning the NBA finals against Golden State. And, you know, when you're watching all season long, not to knock everybody's models, because those of us that watch get it wrong, ignoring models or looking at them. But it's like, man, if you're 87% based on your model those two teams last year, then something's wrong with the model. And that's what Wick was talking about. Wick was looking at it going like, we had all of these different projections at times that we were this overwhelming favorite. So the fact that most of those guys are still around, I don't know if Vegas is looking at that and factoring in what the price is, but the models love Boston. And it's it's not going to be any different for a third year of this with the depth and the guys, um, although the defense clearly has fallen off from what they were two years ago, I wouldn't have them be the favorites. I think the only thing that you would say for Denver, which I think is totally fair, and I've said it already way too many times, is the regular season profile was not of the team that you think of like Golden State. Like you can hmm. say they're the most dominant since, 
maybe we're in the very beginning of this. Maybe this is their 14 or 15 year. You know, 14 wasn't a title year for Golden State. 15 felt like they were ahead of schedule. Denver doesn't feel like they're ahead of schedule. Can I go way back group. with the 77 Blazers and then the next year started 50 and 10 in the title? They were actually better the next year. I think that's going to be Denver. I really do. I think so you think be they're going to go year. like 65 wins next year? Better I think defense. they're going to be awesome. Yeah, I do. I really do. I, I, Sometimes the title, the disease of more can happen or you can be like, man, we got lucky and then we lost this role guy and that guy. I just think they're top four unless Porter got hurt or there's some sort of injury variable that we don't know about yet. Um, just their style of play and how good Jokic is. I think Jokic is that good. And the history of the league says it that was the start of something, not the culmination of something. He is that good. somebody who's that good. Yeah, no, he's that good. And I'm, I'm glad it's happened. He feels... Tim Duncan-ish, where it's like, well, if your number one guy is wired that way and all this yeah. shit's real, then you know you have a better chance of staying the course as a franchise because it's only yeah, so like many he players couldn't wait to leave team. America. It's like, is there, oh, do we, is there a parade? Uh, all right, I'll stay. I guess I'll stay for that before I can get out of here. Like to him, it's like, let's go, let's kick everyone's ass, we'll win the title, and I'll get out of there. Um, and then he'll come back next year and he'll kick everyone's ass again. Well, you see what's going on with our country politically, can you blame them? <laughs> wah, wah. Uh, uh, wait, wait, real quick though. Like you're, you're a little too dismissive of it though. I, when I'm talking about Denver and who they were this regular season and how weird the rest of the West was, I think that's part of the pricing there that Vegas is coming up with. I think they fair. agree with me more than you do. Three, maybe teams. And then we'll wrap this up. Lakers, Philly, and Milwaukee. Because the Lakers, the one more time thing would be just if LeBron, this is the last year of his deal. And if his son is good enough to come right out of the, uh, out of college and get drafted the first year, I think LeBron's just going to go to whatever team that is. The Philly piece, you know, Harris, who the, the Harris trade coverage stuff this week was pretty hilarious. But it looks like they're going to have Harden back. That, I'm operating under that assumption. And if nothing happens with that team this year, then something will happen. And then, I don't know, Milwaukee. It seems like Lopez is leaving. I know we're going to do that next segment with the players, but it just seems like other teams have more money than the Bucks do for this. And, you know. Windhorse was on then? that. Windhorse was, when he talked about Middleton opting out, he was on TV this week. And now all of us are like, as soon as Windhorse like leans a certain way, we're like, what does he know? What does he know? And he was, I think it would make sense to any of us that pay attention to this stuff. The listeners that are super up on this deal, Middleton opting out may mean nothing. Brooke Lopez, he was like, that might be a little trickier. Well, so, here's the problem. Brooke Lopez won a ring already. That's the part we always forget with some of these guys. When they, when they have the ring, it's just a different mindset. It's like, I already did it. I already won the title. Now let me get one last awesome contract and get used in the right team, right situation. So um, I think those are the teams. Let's take a break and then we'll do, we're going to play guess the contract, guess the team with some of the uh, free agents that we got. This episode is brought to you by Workday. Get the whole band together with Workday and pair finance and HR on one platform for an epic performance. With Workday AI at the core, You'll make confident decisions faster than ever, and you'll drive flawless business and finance operations with an agile platform that constantly evolves to future-proof your organization. Be a finance and HR rock star with Workday. Visit Workday.com. 
to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. All right, so cap space is 136. That is the limit that teams cannot go over. According to Keith Smith, who does a good job with this stuff on uh, on Track, Rockets 60.9 million, Jazz 47.2, Spurs 38.6, Kings 35.6, Pacers 32.2, Pistons 30, and Magic 23.9. There you go, Saruti. Now, there could also be some chicanery if guys get rid of some cap holds. Like Dallas could all of a sudden become a major player if they just like renounce Kyrie, right? They could go get somebody. So the big free agents, I'm just going to list all of them and then we're going to do like nine or 10. Harris, I'll do alphabetical order. Harrison Barnes, Dylan Brooks, Bruce Brown, Seth Curry, Dante DiFincenzo, Jeremy Grant, Draymond Green, James Harden, Kyrie Irving, Cam Johnson, Kyle Kuzma, Brooke Lopez, Chris Middleton, Jakob Pertl, Austin Reeves, restricted, D'Angelo Russell, Russillo's guy, Max Struess, Fred Van Vliet, Gabe Vincent, Nikola Vucevic, who seems like he's going back to Chicago. We'll throw in Russell Westbrook for shits and giggles and Grant Williams. That's the list. So if we go alphabetical, I bolded a couple guys. Like Harrison Barnes to me, he'll be a mid-level guy somewhere, maybe a little below and probably a winning team. Dylan Brooks. What happens to Dylan Brooks in your opinion? Because I've heard the Houston team thrown around. It's like, really, that's where he's going to go is Houston? They need the veteran leadership of Dylan Brooks? That's what we're doing. Um, see, mid-level guy, I get that. Like, I, I had Dallas written down for him. Yeah, I know. Everybody hates him right now, but it'd be wrong. Uh, the mid-level for the non-taxpayer is what? 12 plus million? You can do four 12. years. 2, so it's like yeah. three for 40, something like that. I'm going to be honest, it still feels like a little low for him. Right? You're buying Dylan Brookstock? I'm buying that Houston's going to do something with this money. And if they don't get hardened, I think Houston's going to throw like pretty big numbers at three guys and just add them to this mix. You could say, wait a minute, that's getting in the way of all of these draft picks. Um, you know, I think the draft picks are going to have to start producing. I mean, I'm obviously I'm not talking about. <laughs> talking about the king of Houston? I'm not talking. About, no, like Jalen and Jabari and all this stuff. Like, I don't know. It's it's tough with the development stuff because it's like, okay, they have to go out there and make their mistakes. They have to learn through it. Well, Jalen Green's going to be on year three of this stuff. They have this cap space now before they have to make the decisions on the next guy. So it can feel like they're doing a bunch of different things at the same time. But my guess would be they're going to be throwing a lot of money around. They're going to pay a weird bad tax on top of that, whether it's Bruce Brown, whether it's Brooks, whether it's an Austin Reeves offer. I think they're going to be in on a bunch of different guys, but then they may even over offer a couple dudes to be like, you have to say yes or no now because we have to know so we can pivot to the next dude to use this $60 million worth of space. And obviously, I'm not talking about Amen Thompson as being a dude that needs to prove himself uh, coming out of overtime elite. But you know, on paper, there's all this young talent, but the fact that there's all this cap space coming too, if they don't get hardened, 
they're going to spend it on some of these dudes. So I think well, what a guy if like, I'll, I'll give you a second guy. Because I had Houston written down next to Fred Van Vliet. Who is another guy who has a ring. Who could make a financial decision more than, a, oh no, I want to be on a good team. I've never had that experience. Like, well, he had the experience. He won the title in 2019. Now he wants to get paid. He's 29. He's rep by clutch. Declined a $23 million player option. You got to imagine he's looking at least at that Tyler Hero number of four years, $120 million. That was fully guaranteed by Miami. Right? I was thinking Van- like 4140 for him. That's fine. By I think the way, it a, makes me super nervous. I'd imagine the fourth year on that's going to be a player option so they can hit the market again t- as a 10-year vet, which changes things. Because I, I think he'll age all right, honestly, just because he can shoot it so well. I know the smaller the guards, advanced you don't metrics, like The advanced metrics really like him. Like to me, I have trouble with the eye test versus the advanced metrics for him. Because the eye test doesn't, like, I just feel like if he, if he's the guy with the ball in the last four minutes of a game, I don't I don't know how many guys he's out dueling. But maybe on Houston, he doesn't have to be that guy. I thought that was a big reason why Toronto always seemed like they were in these two-point games with four minutes to go and would just lose the games. I kind of like him, man. I think his shot making is pretty good. It feels like... He already got to be Jalen Brunson with the city before Jalen Brunson was with New York. I, I think Van Vliet's had some really good moments with them. And, you know, it was cool, too, in how he played off of Lowry, which I think is a great sign if you're another team that you feel like you already have a ball-dominant guard. It's like, well, can Van Vliet survive? And he's like, yeah, man, we already saw it. Like, I think that was one of the brilliant things about he and Lowry is that they were really compatible with each other by letting kind of the other guy take his turns. And it didn't feel like it was, you know, we see a lot of ball-dominant players where it's like, Oh, actually, you could just say it in Houston, Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green, where it's like, I'll go, you go, I go, you go. I think Van Vliet works better that way. And even if it feels like he's getting in the way of some of these other dudes, you're going to have to use this money. So I don't think Van Vliet to Houston is all that crazy. I like it for them because I think they need an adult. You know, last year was 19, four and seven. He's played a ton of minutes the last four years. And he's been reasonably durable. He's a good three-point shooter. Um, I don't know. It makes sense for me at that team. Good free throw shooter. Like, kind of could. It's like I know I'm not the guy, but I'm kind of the guy because I'm the adult in the room, and they have just basically all these talented perimeter dudes. So I would have. And that. nobody brings nobody brings this up, but Texas doesn't have a state tax. Mm, forgot that part. No one brings it up. So I have Van Vliet and I have Dylan Brooks for Dallas for three years for the mid-level. And you have him and Omax. You have Luca and Kyrie. You have all the, all the big guys they have. You still have Hardaway and Bullock. Maybe they could flip Hardaway for something. Um, those would be my first two. Bru- Where do you see Bruce Brown if you had to throw a nickel into the fountain on that one? See that a full r- mid-level guy for you? Yeah, easy. I agree. I think he's like three years, $45 million. The weird thing here for, uh, he declined the $6.8 million option. He's CAA, so they already know who wants to offer him what. Um, the most Denver can offer him next year is $7.8 million. So I think he's gone unless he absolutely loves Denver and loves, you know, he can, he can love it. He'd buy a house there, come visit. I just don't know how he comes back for $7.8 when I think he could probably So what team do you that. have for him? I wrote down Houston. 
I promise we're not going to name 20 players and say Houston for every single one of them because uh, it feels like to this start so far, that's where we're at, but it's it's not what I did, I promise. I wrote down Sacramento for him. What do you think of that? I think Houston will pay him more, especially when they miss out on a couple of the other guys. Can we do Seth Curry quick? Sure. Can I just give you my dream Seth Curry scenario? The Denver Nuggets. I want to see him on one more good team with a big guy that he can just basically do Jamal Murray impersonations around, bounce around. and um, Remember what, that one year with Embiid? When him and Embiid were great together? I want to see that again. I want to see him on another team like that. So I'm just going to throw it out. I'm going to also throw out Dante DiVincenzo for the Knicks. Because I think how much? one... I think... Maybe not quite mid-level, but close. Maybe like a three for 30. I don't know, man. They got so many guards and they still have to figure out this Josh Hart thing where them extending his play out or excuse me, his player option deadline, which is 12 million, and they extended it to this Thursday, tells me that they're all on the same page about something. And the thing you can do now in the new CBA is you can, you can extend before, like before you had to be like straight up free agent there's yeah. like these other little tweaks I was noticing today when we were getting ready to prep all this stuff. Also, there's one of the things when you're over the apron, you can't aggregate the salaries. So you got to right. You can't do two ten million dollar players for the twenty million dollar player. Like that shit gets crazy, man. You start digging into some of these limitations. I'm glad that you wanted to do that cat pod there because you start realizing like on top of everything else, it feels like a new hard cap. Um, it's also I think going to really stop some of the star player power movement stuff where you're going to be like, you can ask for whatever you want. Now we cannot legally do it. You can want to go there. Yeah. They, they can't take you. They Tough can't cookies. take you. Yeah. The reason I thought of him with the Knicks was they don't have a lot of like fun to play with swingman guys. And I think however you feel about DDV, like he, I liked some of the stuff he did for the Warriors. I thought in their, in their closeout game when they lost to the Lakers, he was like one of the most confident guys they had out there. I value what he does. So throwing him out, what do you have for Jeremy Grant? So he's eligible, right? He's unrestricted again. He's eligible for a five-year, $233 million max. I don't think he's going to get that. No, nope, Jeremy, cross that one off. Uh, he signed for three years, sixty million with Detroit three years ago. I couldn't believe that number when it happened, and he ended up being worth it. I was wrong. Um, I always so try like to look four for a hundred. So I looked at some examples here. Julius Randle's deals four years, one hundred and seven, one hundred and seventeen million with all star bonuses in there. So if we say it's down the middle, split it at one twelve, four for one twelve. If I'm Jeremy Grant's guys, I'd say, even though Randle had some serious accolades this year, I'd be like, look, our guys healthier. Uh, plays better defense, so I think it's I think it's a four year deal, um, around 120, 130 million. And I think Oof. if you're if you're Grant's people, you're saying you've got to pay a little bit of a Dame tax here. You have to keep him to keep Dame happy. The rebounding numbers aren't there. The reason he was so good in Detroit is because he was the number one option. I think at one stretch he was averaging like twenty shots a game for them, and I was like, man. So that's why the numbers got such a bump. But I think he's kind of in that range. If he was $20 million a year three years ago with the new money and everything, it feels like he's a $30 million a year guy. I don't like it. What would you think it is? What was your guess? 
I'm just kind of out at that point. Let somebody else do it. What if Dame's like, oh, wait, so you just let this guy walk? That's why I think he gets closer. But it'll to be number. a sign and trade if they get rid of him, right? Unless unless it's Houston or the other two teams that have cap space. Well, Detroit, it's the same people there that signed him three years ago. 30 plus million a year for him. He did have a really good statistical season last year. He was a 48, 40, 81 guy last year. Yeah, How look at the he? rebounds. He's 29. I'd I'd feel good in that when you said like Randall money, Brunson money in that range, like the four for 110. I don't know if I'd go higher than that. The reason I made it a little bit higher is I think if no, I'm you're his reps, tax. You're if right. I'm his reps, I'm like, what are you going to do? Not bring this dude back? Yeah. We'll take an extra 20 million. Slap it on the back. We have uh, Draymond both going to Golden State. Maybe like a three for one fifteen with like a it goes backwards type of type of contract front, three front for one ten. Keldon Johnson, where it's style. like forty thirty five thirty something like that. You think it's that much? I don't know. What is it? It's gonna be more than twenty seven. I was wondering because he's thirty three. If they would do like, look, let's do, we'll do four years, but we'll do it at a lower number. We got to be. We got to be in the twenty something a year annually for you. If you're the Kings, do you pretend you're all in just to fuck with the Warriors? Like, do you well, poker it a little bit? Well, yeah, but then you're fucking with the agent. No, I'd be like, yeah. I mean, we talked four for one sixty for him potentially. If you, if we knew he wanted to come here, you do it. You know, it's like you're you're kind of you're kind of hitting on them on tax, but you're not actually like buying them anything yet. I mean, if he's going to take that for Golden State, I mean, we could probably scrounge in our pockets for 160. You have him higher than me. Uh, he declined the $27.5 million player option, which tells me. I don't me have him higher. I think he should get, I think it should be three for 100. I just think the fear of losing him is going to factor into this. Yeah, and I They're going to have to pay more than he wants. And also, what happens if Dallas says, fuck it, we've renounced Kyrie, come to the Mavericks? I had him at like three years at 80 plus. You okay. have it at a hundred, but maybe yeah, I have it like three years, one hundred and five, even. And right, we'll see. We'll see who's right. Yeah, that's thirty-five a year. That's an eight million dollar raise. Yeah, off the player he, option. If you're him, and Clutch is doing this correctly, it'd be like he was the best player, defensive player in the league last year. Who had a bigger impact on their team? And you have a whole twenty pages of stats backing you up. I know, but Se I just Steph, I still Steve Kerr said it publicly. Yeah, I mean, Dunleavy also said he saw Poole being there four years. So, um, his lips weren't moving though. By the way, can I, can I run <laughs> over this real quick? There's the, just to explain the Draymond tax thing, like yeah. say, say Draymond signs. And again, this is going to be off by a few million here or there, depending yeah. on the rest of the moves they have. But as things are currently constructed, a three-year extension for $90 million for Draymond would mean salary and tax bill, the total bill there, is $457 million. If they let him walk, didn't replace him, that number's $272 million. Ooh. Can that they is, defer? I'd heard that somebody told me that they could defer some of the salary to have it not kill them as much. 
We Not just, Bobby Bonilla style, but something. Uh, that no, I, I just that, don't, I don't know the rules on that stuff. Well, the deferral that you're talking about, I don't. Know I guess the cap figure wouldn't even matter. Well, no, because yeah. you'd have to. It's kind of like the Harden thing, where Philly can offer him five years, but with the over thirty-eight rule, the last year has to be factored into the first four years of the cap. So. Right. They can go five years, but it's still basically the same offer as Houston, so it's irrelevant. Where the extra year, if he were younger, would be the probably what would make the decision a lot easier for Harden just to take the extra year and stay there. But the over thirty eight thing. So as far as deferring money like that, baseball used to do it all the time. Where like the contract, yeah, I don't would be think basketball out. can do. No, it. basketball doesn't do that because I think you got to worry about the cap part of it. James Harden, what do you have? I think we both have Philly for this, or do you have Houston? Even I, despite my long history with Harden, do not think that he would be like, I'm good. I'm just going to go to Houston and lose. I, even not. I don't think he would do that. Uh, so Philly can offer him four years, 210. We already covered it on why the 50 years are relevant for them because of his age. He's going to be 34. Houston can offer four years, 202 million. Factor in the state tax part of that, which nobody brings up. Pretty much even. Um, I would... I'd have a hard time going over four years, 150, 160, maybe a fourth year partial guarantee on that for him. But I think it's Philly. I'm going to say four for 180 and that the fourth year has to be triggered by games played in the third year. He's got to play in like 70% of the games in the third year to trigger the option for the fourth year, something like that. Okay, so we're around if, the same number. What if you're Daryl and I'm his, his reps... And I'm like, you want to get cute in that fourth year where he's not making that up. Like if if that fourth year is voided, whatever that number is today in a four-year contract, he's not going to make it up at 37, 38 years old. He's not going to make yeah. up that money. Whereas, you know, when we're talking about guys that are a lot younger, it's like, well, who really cares to just make that up on a new deal on the front end? So what if Wait, I told well, you- Well, can I, I ask a more important Houston question? Why would Houston need James Harden for the next three, four years with the team that they currently have? Especially when they lucked out with the Cam Whitmore piece. And they got the Thompson twin. They have Jalen Green, Porter, Shangoon, Jabari Smith. What what is James Harden doing for me? What's the point of that? You already know the answer. No, I know, but honestly, after the draft played out the way it played out, I don't I just don't know what the point of James Harden would be. Like if it would seem like it would be way more sense to overpay Brooke Lopez and Bruce Brown and try to get like some winning players around all my young, I need the ball all the time guys or Van Vliet. You already know the answer. The answer is he has, he is so important in Houston. And I'm going to say this and I'm, it's actually a compliment, although I'm a little surprised. Uh, I don't know that I've ever seen a fan base care so much about a guy that's been gone this long than the Houston Rockets do about Harden. They fucking love that guy. They love that guy. They defend him even mm towards the end of his Houston run, we're like, why would you defend a guy who was losing, like, sucked on purpose just to prove his point? Which then again, like, You don't did. understand him. Right, okay. Like, I'm not going to agree with anybody that's a Houston Rockets fan about hard. This is... But, to their credit, this is their fucking guy. They yeah. stick up for him when he's playing for Philly. They stick up for this guy, like, when I would dog him about a Brooklyn thing, I still hear about it from all the Houston guys. I've never experienced anything like it with the way that they have his back. So if you're the owner and you're like, we stink, business interests are lower, ratings are down, all of that stuff, 
him coming back actually means something to that fan base. And I don't like teams that make decisions this way. From a basketball standpoint, I'm with you. Add some nice role players and then continue to let the guys that you're hoping are going to be stars that you've picked in the lottery or picked at the top of the front of the first round. I mean, you know, like these are high, high picks. Let those guys still make the decision with the basketball in their hands. Harden kind of fucks all that up. But I, I think he's just so important to that franchise in that city that they'd feel like they had a real thing, even though I get it. But my advice, right. my advice for the Rockets would be like, we're creating a new thing for you guys. The this Thompson twins going to be awesome. We lucked out with Whitmore, Jabari Smith. Watch him this year and Jalen Green, and we have just a shitload of talent now. We don't need James Harden. What we needed was like a guy hitting his prime or, you know, in the middle of his prime, Van Vliet, somebody like that, who could be an adult who can show these guys how to win and we're moving on. All right, so we both say Philly. Kyrie, we both say Dallas, but what's the money? He's eligible for five years, 272. I think he's going to come in a little south of that. (laughs) Maybe a hair under. (laughs) Go over the cap space. Who are you competing with? It would actually be irresponsible if this was over two years, but it'll probably end up at three. I have like three for 120. And I think it's, I, th- I think even that's irresponsible. I mean, I would, I'd have a hard time giving a per diem. So <laughs> what did uh, you have? I had the exact same number, but I threw okay. on the fourth, I threw on the fourth year because he's eligible for five. So I figured 40 mil and maybe, you know, look, so many of these contracts now, so many of them in the last year, there's there's a lot of wizardry going on. I mean, it could be yeah. just a straight player, straight team option. Um, you know, he may say no to a team option. The weird thing about the Nets deal is all they wanted him to do was play in games. There wasn't anything weird about it. Yeah, They were like, can you just play? Because your history eh, hasn't been sweet here. And they were ready to give him the four years that he wanted on the extension. And he didn't want to do that. so. Um, I would, I would hate, look, I just wouldn't let myself be in it. I just, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be in that business, but I don't know who you're competing with. I don't know who else is going over 30 million a year for Kyrie. I wish them a lot of luck in the words of James baby doll Dixon, Cam Johnson. I'm going off the board. We haven't mentioned this team yet. I'm going Indiana and I'm going to say four years. 115 million. So kind of that Tyler Hero money? Yeah. And he fits with kind of who they are and what they need. One more shooter. I still don't understand what they did at the draft. I didn't agree with the pick. But maybe it's because they knew this was looming. And they have the money to go get somebody good. And this is what makes the most sense to me. So that's my pick. Restricted free agency will tell you history is that that is as much as you can offer because it's restricted. You're trying to scare the other team. And then if they match, you feel like, well, cool, they matched a bad contract. It's hilarious because teams will bitch and bitch and bitch when somebody does it to their guy, and then they'll go ahead and do the exact same thing. And then I remember one time, I think Memphis offered Josh Smith like a restricted free agent deal, and it wasn't that much. And the guys at Atlanta were just like, what? What do they do? <laughs> yeah, okay, well, I guess we'll just match it. Like, it was yeah. just, it was... It was one of those deals. So when you're restricted and you're good, and he's good, like I think he's good and I think he's worth it. And I don't know why Brooklyn wouldn't match it. Because look at Brooklyn. I think they do. 
Yeah, look at Brooklyn's spreadsheet. Like after this year, and that's why all the Bridges stuff didn't make any sense. Like, wait, he's even better than you thought. Yeah. Which makes him cheaper. And now they're going to trade him when their books are clean coming up here very shortly, which is why I think they'll match on Cam, even though it feels like on the high end. Kuzma. I could see him being like the second choice for a bunch of teams. Like we've kicked the tires on Austin Reeves. We've kicked the tires on Cam Johnson. You know, we've gone down the road with Fred Van Vliet. We didn't get our first choice. And now it's like July 8th. And that's when you call the Kuzma. And Kuzma will wait until he can get um, a commensurate offer, I think. He's a tough one because he's definitely better than a mid-level guy. But to me, it's like, I, I don't even think he's as proven as Jeremy Grant was. And I don't even love the Jeremy Grant money. So it seems like it's somewhere in that like four years, 90 kind of range. And maybe that's the Kings if they let Barnes go. He he checks a lot of boxes for the Kings. I just don't know how high I'd want to go. So it's it's like somewhere four for 85, four for 90. Um, the other possibility is he just comes back to Washington, which I don't think can totally be ruled out. I know it'd be weird, but maybe they, you know, I, I'm just not, I don't know what Washington's up to. And um, I'm not willing to say that they're just going to throw the season away yet and be a tank team. So my choice is Sacramento, Rosillo. I like the number, you know, whenever I'm trying to figure it out and be like, oh, it's three for 60 too much for Kuzma. No way. No way. Like he's, he's still good enough. So then it's like, does it become four for 80 to win the bidding yeah. when all these other teams? Cause he feels like, Hey, you could probably trade him later on. You know, you, this is numbers not going to kill you. I know McDonavich is already in place. They did that shorter extension for him. But if I'm Detroit, considering all these lottery picks that I have to make a decision on contract wise, mm. like this is where you try to sneak in the vet now. Like use right. the cap space now. So they got thirty million, it. right? I think Kuzma, even though it might feel a little redundant with some of the small forward stuff, and you know, I guess you could argue in the draft. Wait a minute, didn't you just do this positionally? But uh, I think Washington's another one because you're going to have to pay somebody, right? Like looking at their books, it wouldn't wouldn't be shocking if they brought him back if the number's reasonable and he's a decent player. You know you're at least keeping the asset, so I, I it's obviously a bump from where he was in the player option thing, and and I like him. I'm not in love with him, but I like him. He's all right. Me too. Brooke Lopez, hardest guy to figure out. You could give me 20 teams on this one. I landed on San Antonio. He won a ring a couple years ago. Um, I think they want to add one guy, and. I don't know. He's played with Giannis. He's had a really interesting career. He's been in the league for 15 years. And they have the money to pay somebody like him. I was thinking like three for 55, three for 50, somewhere in there. And now you have some Wembenyama insurance. You can play them together. He can protect the rim. You have just immediately a really good interior defense. And then you start wondering... Are we like a playoff team? What is, what is this coming out of the gate? Like we have scoring and rim protection. Could we be good right away? So that was my team for for him. What'd you have? I think those numbers are insane. Three for 55? Yeah, he's 35 years old. He had a back surgery recently. Uh, I know this team year Team option played. third year? <laughs> I just don't think he's over 15 million a year at this age. I mean, he got... 
defensive player of the year votes. I know he did. He played 78 games. Nas Reed got minutes. 42 for three years, team option. He's got to be higher than that, right? Yeah, but I also, once I dug deeper into the defensive stuff, I feel like he really benefited from having the other two guys around him, too. Like, he was asked oh, to just parking like in this. the rim. So, so what do you have, three for 30? Because that puts him in the mid-level range. Yeah, I think he's a mid-level guy, and I don't think he's I don't think he's going to go to a bad team. Like I, some of you guys in the Spurs stuff, I don't quite get it. Like, what, what do you mean, think? some of you guys? Why am I in a you guys group? I'm, I'm throwing you in this group that thinks like a tweak here and a tweak there, and the Spurs are in the playoffs. I don't see it in the West, and I think Wembenyama offensively is not going to be like I think he's going to do shit certain nights where it's going to be crazy. But I'd be pretty shocked if he was consistently like this nasty offensive threat. I think he's going to be a transformative defensive player right away. I think defensively, I'm with you. But I think offensively, I watched him play internationally here recently. There's some duds in there. So why is mm. it, you know, sure, he'll have a little bit more spacing in the NBA. But I think people need to be a little patient with him on the offensive, or yeah, on the offensive thing. And then when I think about the rest of that team, like I like Keldon. I like Vassell. Obviously, I like Sohan. But all oh right, throw Wemby into the mix. Like, yeah. Sohan, Wemby, and Lopez, who's scoring in that team? They're like the 95 Devils. Neutral trap. (laughs) Having Richard Brodeur out there. No. So you think mid-level for Brooke. Interesting. Yeah, 35. Because I saw the the Mavs today and that messed with my head. The Mavs makes way more sense. The Mavs makes way more sense. No, I I said I saw the Naz Reed. Oh. I saw that contract today and I just felt like he's going to get more than Nas Reed. So that if Nas Reed was three for 42 with the team option, then Brooks got to be in the three for 50 range with the team option. It's not going to make yeah, but less he's 35. than Nas Reed. 35 is the new 30. Um, Austin Reeves comes back to LA, but it is going to be fun to see what team fucks with them and offers their full <laughs> 98.7 for four years just so they have to match it. Do you My think guess, it's 98? Oh, if you're Utah, why why aren't you doing that? How are you not doing that? Why'd you pick Utah? Because they have 47.2 million oh. available and we don't have a guy going to them yet. <laughs> and he's white? What do you want me to say? Um, but they need somebody like him. <laughs> uh, I'm just doing yeah. it. July 1st, good match at Lakers. I have to beat the Lakers anyway. They're in my, divi- in my conference. Well, the best thing, too, is if you throw that out there. That's what I think is important about the restricted stuff. Like, a lot of those guys, you're like, wait, what? Yeah. And then the other, the team that has the rights, they get so pissed off. But, you know, the Lakers can match it, but they can only structure at 11.4, 12.2 million around that in the first yeah. couple of years. So then you start so you talking can blow about it out. It. Yeah. He's going to be like 25 to 30 in the last two. Just for the oh. people listening who don't know this, they have they're capped on what they can offer them, but somebody else can offer them four for ninety eight point seven or four for ninety, whatever, and go up to ninety eight point seven. And you would do this because you're basically forcing the Lakers hand to match, which they would, but it screws up all the other free agency stuff they'd want to do. Um, and if I was in the West, I would do this day one. So you'd offer out. him the ninety eight point seven. Oh, in a heartbeat. Do you think that's what happens? Yeah. I, I saw what I needed to see during the last two months and during the playoffs. Like that guy is absolutely a playoff starter on a really good team. I as I told you, I thought the Lakers were the second best playoff team. He was the third best guy in the Lakers. And even I know they got swept by Denver, but all those games were close. And you could actually make the case if they had 
exploited his mismatches that he had offensively against some of the Denver people. I think they might have done better in the series. I'm all in on Austin Reeves. I love that guy. But the Lakers are going to match, so it's a moot point. Where do you see uh, D'Angelo Russell going? And how much money? I have to ask. All right. I think he stays with the Lakers. I think the Rui price is absurd. He oh, had some no. really nice moments. Um, really? You but, think it's absurd? Yeah, $20 million for a guy you could only get a second rounder for, who's to the point prior to the Lakers playoff series, rounds one and three. I can't pay him $20 million. Right. So I can't pay him $20 year? million. No, no, no. No way. Are you, at, you talking about Rui or you're talking about D'Angelo? I'm talking about D'Angelo, but you said you think the Rui price is going to be absurd. And it's like, why does that price have to be absurd? Because he had a couple of good games in the playoffs? That's insane. Like to me, guess, that's that's like an eight to ten million a year guy. But I think you're right. I think they're going to overpay him. Well, the reason I bring it up, and I I made it confusing, so that's that's on me. But you know whether they match Reeves, which we both agree they're going to. Um, you know, there's all these other things, but they can't just like let all these dudes walk because their core is still going to be so expensive. Yeah. So I would think that they'd want to keep D'Angelo Russell over Rui. Um, and I think D'Angelo probably comes in, you know, maybe you let him do a three-year announcement, but it's really two years and 50 million total. You may oh, have no. to pay. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm not doing that. I'm not saying you're wrong, but man, I just wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do it. Oof. I wouldn't do it, but like. I hate that. You can't offer him two for 30 and think he's going to stay. Should like, he I make more than 10 million a year? I would never sign the guy. Okay. But I think L.A. is going to look at it as he made some shots. I know. He did? I'm, I'm stretching. He was yeah, unplayable by the third round. Right. But during the regular season, he shot the ball better this year than like ever before. Okay. I'm not going he was, near that, dude. Hey, look, this is the weirdest thing ever because I'm now arguing for. I love it. One this of is my the least- highlight of the year for me on my podcast. You're defending D'Angelo Russell. You're like, look, you don't understand D'Lo. He made some big no, shots. I think I understand him better than anybody. You know, the number of people that after the Lakers playoff run that was like, hey, you know what? You were right. I'm like, you guys think I just make this shit up? You think yeah. I just turn on four minutes of a guy and then come to an epiphany on who he is and who he's been for a decade? Can I throw the bulls at you? You can. What, full mid-level? Two for, or, two for, two for 30? I just think he's going to cost more than that. All right, this will be a good one. This is that was our best argument of any of those guys. It's kind of like the Dinwiddie more... thing. Like the Dinwiddie, you're like, wait, who's paying this guy? And you're like, oh, wait, he actually did okay. That didn't just make like any there's sense. There's so many point guards now. That's just irresponsible. I think well, D'Angelo so... Russell. I think the announcement is going to be the initial thing where you're going to be like, what? And then it's going to be a bit like an NFL contract where you go, oh, wait, it's only like the first two years. It's seven years then, for $180 million? <laughs> right. But then LA will have to pay a bit of a tax of like D'Angelo Russell and his team going, you know that you're just going to get traded, right? Is there a world where Gabe Vincent should make less than D'Angelo Russell next season? No, but Russell, but he will. Russell's, Russell will make more. But we agree that that's absolutely absurd. So Max Struess and Vincent, I just had them going back to Miami, but I with these mid-level, and a lot of these teams have the mid-level, I think Struess is a really interesting mid-level guy because he's played in a shitload of big games and he's hit or miss, but 
I don't know if it, if it's like two for 25 for him as a mid-level guy, if I'm a good team and I can add him, I'd feel pretty good about it. I kind of like how he played in the last two playoffs. Hey, both those guys, I take them both on my team because there's a toughness to them. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not worried about him. And you're right. Like it kind of feels crazy. Although look, I mean, you know, the, the thing that the undoing of Miami was finally these guys who were like, Oh, that guy had zero points last night. You know, where Vincent Struess, Caleb Martin are all zero or 20. You're not surprised. You're not surprised. So I see. Yeah, like if like I told them. you, if I told you Max Struess in the playoffs was 32% from three, it felt way lower than what I watched for the entire playoffs. Cause well, you're because, right. He would have these games where he's just like, he's 0 for 7 again. <laughs> right. Well, the problem is, as a Celtics fan, is everyone he made was so emotional. Felt, yeah. It felt yeah, like the so. biggest shot of the game, basically. But those but, two guys, they feel like they might be in that Grant Williams thing, even though Grant's restricted. Um, you know, oh he God, wanted. We're to, almost up to Grant. Grant turned down something for what, like in the 40s, maybe? And he wanted, from what I'd heard, like the four years, 74 million. Didn't they? Yeah, it was like a was, four for 50. That was the, yeah, the Keldon Johnson deal was what I was, was, uh, like yeah. I'd heard. So, um, I don't know if Struess and those guys will, they're not going to get to 74 million on that. I mean, no, there's no fucking way that's going to happen. But yeah, I get it. Like, I wouldn't want to be in the D'Angelo Russell business either. I just don't see how that number comes in lower than 20. Maybe it's three for 60. I don't know, but I still think like the the last year will be like super fake. We'll skip Jakob Perto unless you want to do him. Let's end with uh, Grant Williams. Huh? Where do you I have, have one for Grant more. Williams? You have one more? Who do you have? Westbrook. Oh, I, I think that's decided in December. What do you think? I don't think anyone signs him this summer. Oh, no. He's going to get signed. No way. I think it goes late. It's like when those baseball contracts sometimes where it's like Boris Klein's March seventeenth and somebody the starter gets signed for like whatever. I don't I don't think it is a first month of free agency signing, would be my guess. You don't think somebody would throw a mid level at him? No. I think he's in that Carmelo late two thousand ten zone. Where he'll his name will be mentioned a lot, but you know, he, if you're Houston, you can't bring in like Russell Westbrook. Like, just go through all the teams. Who's like, oh, that Russell Westbrook? You can't do it if you're Washington. Go through every team. Who's going to want him? Chicago probably end up on the Clippers. Well, my assumption is they'll end up on the Clippers again, but it'll be like late August. Uh, Or maybe later. Yeah, but it's only 3.8, man. 3.8? You don't think you can do better than 3.8? Give me a team. This is the craziest segment ever because I'm sitting here arguing for no, some of my least Russell favorite players. Russell and Russell. <laughs> Give me a team. Who's like, you know what we need? Westbrook. Who's the team? Chicago just says you get to run the, ben- you get to run the bench unit. Oh. Yeah, so I guess maybe Chicago. I had D'Lo with Chicago for like two for 30. Maybe that could be a Westbrook team. So either way, the Bulls fans are going to be bummed out by like November. Not in the beginning, though. In the beginning, it's awesome. He gets 30 when in Russ the game has early. 28, right. 19, yeah. and 18. Right. You know what? He is the perfect Bull. They start out like 10 and 3. It's like, Russ, is he an MVP? To be on the first take the graphic? <laughs> 
Coming up next, Westbrook, MVP candidate? Perkins puts him ahead of Magic Johnson. <laughs> it's November 3rd. <sighs> All right, Grant Williams, where's it going? The podcast has come down to this. Who do you got? Spurs, four for 40. Oh. So that was my Brooke Lopez team, and you're putting Grant Williams there. That's a great yeah. team for him. He's young. He can shoot. He gives them spacing. They like to keep playing through possessions. You know, we make fun of Grant a lot on the pod. No, and Grant's, to be honest Grant's with you, good. He deserves it, but he's a competitor. You know, like, I, I think he's kind of wired that way for those guys. I think for Boston, he's too expensive. Maybe it's four for 48 or something like that. And I, I think the smarter teams would go, hey, Missoula completely bailed on this dude, which is fine. You know, but I'm, I was okay with it at times. Because there's certain matchups, if he's going to get stuck against a more skillful guy on the perimeter, it's just not going to go great for him. But I would imagine a team that doesn't know who their one through eight guys that has cap space and he's kind of cheap and he gets thrown into something else down the road or whatever, but I don't know that San Antonio is going to be able to package a bunch of stuff for the next mad star. Uh, I think he makes sense to them because I think he's smart. I think he's a smart basketball player. I think that's what the Spurs like. I like it. I had uh, Utah for him. Like four for 50. Danny had him. Danny's privy to some of the, uh, some of the behind the scenes stuff. So he's, it's not going to be a surprise. When he's annoying. When, when yeah. Grant's like, here are my ideas. Um, <laughs> had some, th had some thoughts on our half court offense. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're in the same ballpark. I the, I gotta say the team that's the most interesting to me is a free agent team that just never gets discussed ever is Utah, because they're not that far away from being good, you know. Like they have the lead guy marketing, they have a crunch time guy, they have a style, they have a good coach, they have rim protection. I like their draft. You you were a huge Hendricks guy, right? I really like him. Now I'm also yeah. not going to be shocked in three years. It's like I guess he just. Kind of stands there and he's not super into it. But I think at least from what I saw in his freshman year, if he improves on that, I love it. And I love the pick because I think the other two frontline pieces are already in place. But there's also a really good chance him being that young. He's not, you know, the other thing that we could make be a this mistake of, it, it, it could be a while before we even see him anything close to the rotation. They need more guard help. That's why you're right. Like we never bring up Utah on any of this stuff. Why wouldn't they go at Van Vliet for three years? Oh. Right. Well, so yeah, they're like forty. If they have forty-seven million, they could conceivably get Van Vliet and Grant if they want to be good right away. Competitive, I think we should. What we should say. Well, Danny's history is he is not afraid to push the timetable. Like even when he made the Isaiah Thomas trade for the Celts, people are like, "What's that trade? I thought we were tanking." And he's like, "No, nah, I just like the asset." Why are we and he, trading and he was the first free. round pick? Yeah. And he's like, no, I like the asset. And it was a no-brainer. Um, yeah. So I could see him kind of zagging when he sees guys he likes with their cap space and maybe nudging their timetable a little bit. But yeah, Utah's kind of the secretly fun free agent team. And then to bring you know to bring it full circle though from the start, Mulaney this. I was a little surprised Utah. Now, I know they needed a guard, and they missed out on Anthony Black with the first pick, and that's why they took Taylor. I think they tried to move up. They couldn't get to where they needed to, or they didn't like the price. 
Um, I'm sure they could have moved up if they wanted to, considering all the draft capital they have coming up. But it was hard to trade next year's picks because nobody likes the draft. Like people hate next year's draft. So I'm going to put him for vacation uh, now a year in advance. But I think if Ainge is fully running the show, which I think Zanuck doesn't get nearly enough credit because of how much he's actually doing a mm. lot of the stuff. Like anytime there's a big transaction, the Rudy Gobert thing, it's like, oh man, Ainge struck again as if Zanuck does nothing. But I think if Ainge were like, Really, really, I think Cam Whitmore's the second Utah pick. That would be such an Ainge thing because, again, Cam Whitmore's style is an Ainge guy. Uh, Ainge would like him even better if he had stayed at Villanova a couple of years. But when that pick was coming up, I'm like, I wonder if they're going to do this. And Ainge just goes, what are we doing? Just take them. Um, unless their medical was as bad as other teams. And then all of what I've just said is, is moot. Before we go, I read a book about the uh, Portland Trailblazers called Jailblazers by Carrie Eggers this weekend. And uh, it just You've been rehashed. sending me excerpts, uh, by the way. You were so excited about this book. Well, I really want you to read it because I know I you'll become obsessed with it for the next three days. I just forgotten 90% of it, including um, <laughs> Zach Randolph sucker punching Ruben Patterson. The Kobe and then, stopper. And then, uh, and then Ruben being mad about it and just talking in, in interview situations about like, look, we're on the same team and I'm on probation, so I can't really get revenge or anything, but I'm not happy about what happened. But this would be like months later, <laughs> but there's just, there was 400 things, but the Ruben Patterson thing, you mentioned how, um, trade market stuff, he wanted to get traded. He had this six year, $33 million contract and he's like, you gotta trade me. There's not enough minutes. And then I guess Mo Cheek snapped in a practice and was like, look, we tried to trade you. Nobody wants you. And Ruben Patterson was like, Damn, coach. <laughs> like, like his feelings were hurt. Um, but it's like it's like 50 anecdotes like that. You'll love it. But the Blazers were one were the team that was the all-time we don't care about chemistry team. Just they had too many guys all over the place. And um it was a fun reread. I'm gonna read some old basketball books this summer to try to refresh my memory of the nineties and two thousands. Is there any uh, Isaiah Ryder stuff in there? Oh, there's some Isaiah Ryder stuff in there, my friend. There sure is. Look, Isaiah Ryder was the first podcaster. <laughs> okay. That guy would show up to like whatever the NBC weekend game was and you yeah. do kind of the sit downs and, and whatever that game was. He sat down and just fucking human torched anybody. And it was like, unlike anything you saw, like an active player in the moment doing the sit down. And I'm maybe I'm exaggerating how many times he did it, but he had some clips. If you go back and watch it where they'd be like, hey, what? he'd be like, that guy sucks. He's trash. Like that guy's so much worse than me. And I think he actually is the OG, all this stuff. And well, then they had Bonzi Wells, who also felt that way about everybody in the league. But that the book went into this whole incident when when uh, Chris Mills and Bonzi Wells got into it at the end of the game and then Chris Mills blocked the bus and then was in a car following the bus and they had to radio head to the airport. And I, I mean, crazy shit that I, I, you know, in this day and age, 20, 25 years later, um, you know, we didn't have a lot of the social media mechanics that we have now that if anything like that happened, it would be the biggest story in the league for like a week. And just people would be like, oh my God, he followed the bus and... And they had to call ahead to the airport for safety reasons and end up getting suspended. You can see that fight. It's on YouTube. Rashid Wallace makes a game winner. And then it's this full scale brawl 
and they almost go into the stands at one point. This is in 2003. It's like two years before the Artest Melee. You know what I also think is interesting to kind of bring up? Because, you know, whenever something happens in the league, let's just say baseball and football, you know, then kind of pivot into, well, the league has fill-in-the-blank problem, right? Yeah. But then when you look at the national averages of some of the stuff that happens, the real data would tell you the leagues are below the national average for some of these things that are going to happen. And look, some of these things are going to happen. But even with the recent Jaw stuff, which, you know, it depends on what you really think he did um, and what the punishment, you know, I think both of us felt like we were leaning towards a lighter punishment for it. But I don't really want to get into all that because we've already talked about it. But it's easy to kind of lose grasp when you go back and tell those stories and kind of what we grew up with with the NBA and hearing stuff. And this is, again, when we didn't even have access to information like we do now, the fact we have this much access to the information, and for the most part, the league is is in a really great place with the people that represent Oh, yeah. Well, like, you feel it when you read this book. Yeah. It's honestly taken for granted. You know, like, okay, look, there's going to be a guy who's going to get arrested for something coming up. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's going to happen. But yeah. What never happens is like, hey, do you realize like how how many of these guys are like really good dudes and and don't get into any kind of trouble? And granted, we can be naive and go, well, that's just because you don't know anything or whatever. I don't know, man. I, I think every year when you're doing the draft and you 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 hear about certain things, it's it's actually pretty rare to have a group where it's like, oh, this guy's bad guy, this guy sucks, and all these different things. So it just it's so funny. Well, maybe funny's the wrong word. As you tell those stories, like we used to feel like that was the norm. Dysfunction was the norm for a long time with the league. So that's why when, it really does. You're right. It stands out now. And it's like, oh, my God, really? That happened? Um, anyway, read the book and we could talk about it next week. So free agency, what's the day? That's it's technically Saturday. What's today's date? The 24th? 25th. 25th. Today. Yeah, yeah. So. It'll be over the weekend. So by the time we reconvene a week uh, a week from today, we'll know some of this stuff. We'll see who's right, who's wrong. This podcast was produced by Kyle Creighton, serene married guy. Steve Cerruti joined us as well. I don't know how he's feeling about 6 and 11 in those picks. He's been really quiet since Thursday. I don't think he's too happy about it. He's going to talk himself uh, into it. Yeah, by probably next month. Uh, be back on this podcast on Tuesday. See you then.